I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the OFD podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Voles, Emperor, Supreme Manager, and Defender of the Faith over at OneFootDown.com, over on the SB Nation Network. And joining me once again are my co-host, Senior Editor Jude Seymour, and the Grand Warrior himself, Brendan McAlinden, Mr. Fighting Irish. Fellas, what's up? Supreme Manager? Have you I been down to upgraded from Warlord? Uh, I've, uh... I, I might have started drinking earlier today. <laughs> let me let me talk about something that's really hit me hard. Uh, cranberry Red Bull. Who invented this? And this is this is the greatest thing in the world. And I cannot wait to mix this with vodka. You're on you're on that cranberry. T- Man, that blueberry one's the the absolute. I have, I have not had the blueberry, but I am I am uh, just loving the cranberry. So do not drink it. I, I literally I got addicted to it. I had to give it up for Lent Oof. last last Lent uh, because I was drinking so much of it. And uh, and then eventually I was just like, man, I I can't, I, I have to stop drinking this, but it's just so damn good. So I had the key. I had kiwi apple the other day, and I really enjoyed that as well. But uh, I think cranberry is going to be my new my new go to. I I didn't think anything could beat the uh, the sugar free goodness of sugar free Red Bull, but uh, this is uh, this is there, pretty awesome. So. There was a gas station here in town that uh, it's 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 what I would normally go to, and they uh, they stopped stocking. The blue Red Bull, blueberry <laughs> one, and because no, they said you you got to buy the su- the summer flavors first, I said I don't want those. They're like, well, we want to get rid of these first before we sell those. I'm like, you're not gonna sell them. No one wants that shit. We want what, the blueberry. But what are the summer mean, flavors? I'm like, you're, you're not doing it. You would not not get like sales. Sea breeze, you know. Sea, sea breeze. So, um, do you ever notice that eventually you can't compromised? Actually- they eventually compromised. They're like. Well, when you come in, just let us know, and we'll get it for you. But it won't be cold. I'm like, well, what's the point? Like, why am I even coming in here? Did you ever notice that you actually cannot buy one? It doesn't make any sense, financial sense, to buy one Red Bull at any gas station anymore. They're always two, two for five, for yeah, two for five or three for whatever. You know, six right. six ninety five or whatever. Like, there's no such thing as buying one Red Bull at a gas station anymore. I don't just, understand why you guys are buying them at gas stations when you go to the Amazons.com and Jeff Bezos. Oh, like, I, I will get you a carton. I just listen because I am forty one years old and I grew up on a life of stopping at the gas station and running in to grab. Uh, it used to be cigarettes at a pop. In, in Ohio, we have it's drive through uh, liquor. You drive through, you know, get your beer. Uh, yeah, that's why what, not. They are convenience store. They're called convenience <laughs> stores for a reason. Convenience. Brendan, I'm a, I'm a hybrid. I will go to the gas station when I'm feeling that, that like sluggish day and I will get myself two Red Bulls, but I also have just subscribed and saved to the cranberry variety and got 24 delivered to me today. 10% off. So, I'm, you know, there's so- I am team. There's Monster, one drink. Though, so, um, there's one drink I need to ask you, know, you guys about that. And I haven't tried yet, but everyone keeps talking. Everyone the, the nooners. 
I want to hear. No. From, is it the Nooners? No, it's what is it? Cheerwine? Is that what uh, it's I called? The, yeah, it's, 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 cheerwine. It's like is the, the drink of the Carolinas. It's like a like a cherry. Carolina in West in the Virginias, West Virginia, they drink a lot of cheerwine. Uh, they have it at Kroger's. And I and I keep forgetting to order it up, but I was just gonna go on Amazon. It's expensive as shit, by the way. <laughs> you haven't but seen the, uh, the people like uh, Justice Jessica Smetana drinking like that Nooners instead of the White Claw now. Like this is this is in, this is in, uh, invading the White Claw market. Have you seen this at all? Is that no. what I just talking about? I just drank something. I drank. There was a new seltzer <laughs> drink that they were selling it, at Meyer for a dollar, and I like bought the it. Old uh, Green Bay Packers logo. Uh, it's a like a, a maize yellow and uh, like a, a baby blue. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's, it's high noon. Oh no, it's high noon. Was it the Philadelphia Eagles? Who yeah. who was it that wore that those those throwback uniforms that were like totally different color scheme than what they actually used to wear? Uh, oh, it was the it was the the Green Bay. Um, was the Green uh, Aaron Bay? Yeah, it was the Green Bay Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hot. So this is hot. So this is high noon. Yeah. Sunsips. Yeah. Okay. And I guess on Instagram, their nooner, their Instagram handles nooners. That's why I thought they were called nooners. High noon, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna ha- I'll have maybe I'll switch. I think to Tyler that James was on. The I high did noon order. String. Listen, I I ordered a long sleeve, uh, white claw, or uh, <laughs> like like t shirt in August last year. Still have not received it. I, oh. I bought it for a dollar. It was shipping. It was it was five dollars, and uh, I got one of the, that shop app. You know on my. On my phone, where it uh, you know traces your your package, all your packages that you ever buy for anything. I don't know why I got it. I think it's pretty invasive because it goes through your email. But anyways, <laughs> this thing, this thing, this thing's still sitting there. This thing's still sitting there. Uh, it, it's almost August nineteenth. I think I bought it. Uh, so of two thousand nineteen, and and uh, yeah. So if, if I don't get it by August nineteenth of this year. Uh, I will never drink a white claw again. Oh, that's okay. a solid statement. I, which is fine because that's fine. <laughs> I won't drink a white I mean, claw in the a next lot of paps. hours. White claw summer was it, it was a different. We lived in a different era when it was white oh, claw summer. Don't say you're over white claw summer. I'm over this white is claw. Happening. No, no, it's, it's, I, it's I'm over. A, I, I mean, why can't? And maybe oh. I'm not looking. But why? Why can't you just buy like a 12 pack of the? Of one flavor, I mean, can oh, you? You absolutely can. Yeah, absolutely. you can. I just, I, the, the, I guess the play, I guess where I go to get it, it's just so it's it, the variety oh, pack. Yeah, just the variety. I don't, I don't go to too many different places to buy my booze. It's just, hey, it's right there. That's where I always get it. They just have the variety pack because I'm always like, man, fuck this. You know, maybe I just want, you know, a bunch of lemon lime. Maybe I just want the the raspberry. Black but instead, it's like, uh, it's like a, it's like a cherry. Yeah, black cherry is it. Instead, it's like a Notre Dame ACC schedule. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> yeah, hey, I, uh, I don't get uh, a whole lot of uh, <laughs> mostly uh, seemingly playing Duke every year. Uh, a cold White Claw is great after you've done uh, just a minimum amount of weed whacking. I am a, I'm a big fan of the uh, the 20 minutes weed whacking, get up the nice sweat, come in, get a nice uh, cold White Claw. That's that's so how. So while, you're, while you're not edging, mo- you're not, not edging, edging after weed whack. No. Oh my god! I have the edging. Why edging we whack if you're I'm not like edging? 
Because I like it to be 97% complete, not 100%. I never do it anymore. Oh, no. Oh, no. Hey, oh, no. can we talk about the soft licorice that Tyler James got me into? Why, was it Wiley Wallaby? You've never, you never had this before? No, Wallaby I literally stuff? never had this before. And they I, they I used to sell them like, these giant like eight-pound bags at Menards. Everybody and, in my family uh, loves this licorice now. They're oh, just like the raving raving off the, now it's twelve dollars a bag so i'm not like gonna jump it right doesn't matter it's it. the best licorice you'll ever have in your life <laughs> okay it is I mean, it's, it's, it was I, great it was great we we housed it i, I got no days. sponsorships here it, but it is the greatest licorice you'll ever have in your life we technically were sponsored by home run pizza home run and technically <laughs> 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 technically there's there's a few brands that probably owe me some money <laughs> you guys realize you guys realize the Blue Gold game was sponsored for years by Home Run Pizza, right? That was like a thing in the Charlie West era. I yeah. did not know this. Yeah, I was. Yeah, one of the things. Dude, my friend, you have read too many. Uh, I was gonna say old too programs. many programs. <laughs> Jude, I don't understand how this is not something that you brought up before, specifically in print I, media. I, because he probably just read the read a spring game program, just like yeah. Yes. Real real talk. I I. I I've gotten to the point where <laughs> this is so bad, but allow me a little digression, right? So this woman in, uh, well, this couple in Plymouth, Indiana, were selling 100 Notre Dame programs for $140. Now, if you've gone on eBay, this is actually a really, really good deal, right? And this, the program seemed to be in good shape. So I was like, all right, I'm definitely going for this. So I, I reached out to the woman. And I was like, hey, would you, uh, you know, would you take uh, PayPal for him? Because I'm obviously not in Plymouth, Indiana. She's like, no, cash only. They're like, <clears throat> okay. I said, would you put him up on eBay so I could bid on him? No, we're not interested in that. Uh, could I pay you for shipping and you ship them to me? Nope, got to be local pickup only. So I was like, ah. So uh, Ed Jordanik, who, who's part of the Dome and Donor podcast, graciously offered to meet this woman at 9 a.m. on a Thursday at a gas station in uh, Plymouth, Indiana, and pick up these programs for me, and he spotted the money, which is like hero status. I was totally so, willing to pay. So I don't I have totally to do this. No. So as oh, God, that's awesome. And I'm gonna <laughs> and I'm gonna entrust another guy who's going out to drop off his son in a month to pick them up for me and bring them back, so I can sh- save on the shipping, right? And so this is this is really bad because and my wife doesn't listen to this podcast, so I feel like I can tell you this. My wife, like totally, like a week ago, had like this come to Jesus where she's like, "You bought too many programs. Please stop buying programs." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, okay, oh, yeah, absolutely." And then I saw this deal, and I was like, "I can't pass this off. Come on." So yeah, uh, she doesn't know about this little hundred forty dollar purchase. Hey Jude, hey Jude, I want to say a special special thank you to Ed because I, I had told Jude, look, if you can't get anybody else to do it. Uh, I'll go. To, I'll drive to Plymouth for you and pick them up. It's it's probably about an hour and fifteen minutes. It's not. It's not bad. It would, it would have been a chance for yeah. me to listen to like one of our podcasts there and back. And, yeah, uh, listen, listen to Dome and Domer. I mean, that's the least I can do because Ed is the coolest dude in the world for not only floating me one hundred and forty dollars, which I have promised to pay him anytime he wants it, but also holding on to them for a month before I pick them up. Like he was just totally cool about this whole thing. You know, is, is like, there a reason? Is there a reason why he couldn't upcharge you for two hundred? I offered to pay him for his time, and he was like, "Don't worry about it." And oh. I was just like, "This is ridiculous." I no, mean, this is a quality human this, being. Ed. I mean, yeah, you're a you're a darn good dude, Ed. So I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't be spreading this around that Ed's willing to do good deeds on the cheap, but uh, <laughs> I'm still willing to give him my good deeds done cheap. I'm just glad I didn't have to come up with some some because uh, there's no way I could have told my wife, 
hey, I'm going to go drive to Plymouth, Indiana to pick up <laughs> dude. Um, you know, uh, forget about the time we were going to spend today, uh, which was I, which I told you I was willing to do and I was going to. Uh, but yet you, you didn't say anything. So I was like, man, maybe somebody actually did. Uh, yeah, I got two offers right away. Hey, Jude, how are you going to explain to your wife how there's now this influx of 100 new Notre Dame programs, okay, which is so, not a sizable. It's right. Not like so a I've, small... I, I've given this consideration. First of all, there are a lot of programs in my house now. So I'm not 100 percent sure that 100 will make that much of a difference. As crazy as that sounds, um, because I've got a lot now and this is a little bit of a problem. Um but having said that, I've been thinking about, like, when this guy brings it back, like, how am I going to get this into my house? Because you can't move around 100 programs without, I don't know, drawing a little bit of attention. You know what I mean? And at some point, I am going to have to withdraw the funds from uh, a PayPal account that's attached to our shared bank account and, you know, pay Ed his money. So I, I've got some I've got some, hey, work, you got, got some work to do. you got to get that separate husband uh, account. I know. Well, that's the thing. is that yeah, you, you got to get one, one of those. Things, one of the things I've been doing is I've been um, – Sorry, I'm walking around again because I'm I'm worked up about this and I will sit back down so you can hear me much more normally. But um, one of the things that I've been doing is I've been selling some old programs that I've had in my possession that I no longer want. One of the things I did when I was a kid was I collected Super Bowl programs. So I have every Super Bowl program between 1987 and like 1999, which is like just kind of a random assortment. Well, guess what? A million six people also have the same program, so they're not. I'm not killing it here, but more the more money I can get transferred in that PayPal account, the less money that has to come out of the joint account, and so the PayPal account kind of acts as a slush fund. Oh my god, my wife hears this; she's literally going to divorce me. Brendan, I, Brendan, at what point? At what point do we step in? I mean, marriage, <laughs> dude. We're we're all friends here. This is a safe place. The only this is going to end one of three ways. One, it's going to end is Jude destitute living underneath a bridge in Rochester. (laughs) Two, we're going to have an intervention and step in for him. Or the best case scenario is number three, when the FBI needs to crack some sort of case. And Jude, who is uh, the foremost expert on Notre Dame programs from 1983 to 1987, (laughs) is the key to cracking like a cold case. And they have to bring him in. And his wife finally recognizes that all of this led to this sort of in like a signs hitting the swing away baseball bat moment where Joaquin Phoenix swings away to save the whole family. I'm Dude's like the Columbo of of reading for number three really badly. He's got like Um, a he's got a piece of licorice in his mouth instead of the sucker. (laughs) I mean, no, no, he's he's got he's got a leather pouch on his belt that holds the licorice pieces. (laughs) Yeah, and he just. I have no just, idea. What he's, why, why he's thinking and reading, he just opens up the pouch and just slowly inserts a piece of licorice into his mouth. I have no idea why this bothers me so much, but <laughs> just two one more. Going on goes, just one just more one thing. More thing. Um, one is the Notre Dame archives. If they have game programs, it's they're they are all they are not at all searchable. So that's well, they have scholastic reviews, like yearly reviews and stuff like that. That's that's helpful. Um, there seems to be of no effort to have to have collected these programs. Second thing is these programs and the media guides, they're chock full of information that doesn't exist anywhere. Like it literally doesn't exist anywhere. Like there's so much history that's contained within these programs and these in these media guides. Um, 
that I feel is lost. And I, I don't know why I feel like a personal responsibility because like probably all this stuff exists in the archives, but I can't go to the archives. I live 10 hours away. So, so should I I'm, stop making fun of the guy in the press box that, that goes around and picks up the extra uh, programs that uh, the media members leave? Like to, like to for him personally, he's not picking them up for another day. He's, <laughs> he goes around I, and grabs a few to take I home mean, with him. Should I stop I, making I, fun of him? He's just I gaining see, knowledge, right? Uh, no. And money. Yeah, I was going to say, he's probably selling it on, the, on eBay. Like, I don't collect anything past, um, like, 2000 because there's really no point because all those 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 um, articles kind of exist online. Uh, so, so you don't I, want me to send you all of my, all of my programs that I got here? Uh, if they're before 2000, I'm interested. But be, after before that, 2000? No, uh, yeah. I will uh, I'll go through them if I have any ones, and I, 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 I do. But if okay. I have any before 2000, 2000 i'll uh, i'll let you know which ones and if you if you don't have it i'll i'll, I'll send it your way yeah the other thing that's kind of you, you kind can of you awkward. could just don't don't worry about uh the slush fund uh i will just uh, send it to you does any does anyone need a copy of say 2002 purdue because i might have three copies or 1989 michigan state i mean i might have three copies so like that's the other problem is like sometimes you buy them in like lots and, you know, you get what you get, right? So there's like 20 programs that you want and five that you you already have. And you're just like, all right, I'll accept that. I'll accept that I already have these five. And then I mean, kind of accumulate. It's so, a perfectly say they like hobby to have like 15 programs of the same game. <laughs> well, people say they like this podcast because of the uh, different way that we go. I, I think we're proving that tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you're just diving right on into uh Jude's biggest vice, which is getting programs. Is- yeah, so if anybody has programs out there that they just don't want anymore, just uh, hit me up at Listen to Twitter. this crack addict. <laughs> Listen to this addict, Brendan. I can just, I can see you Jude right now in my eyes. He's scratching the side of his neck and he's like, hey man, you got any more of them, them programs? Oh my, he can't sit still. He's out, he's walking he's around. Like walking around, he's like itching for a, a hit. Oh, uh, my God. You, left, you open the door, I'm going to take it. So there we go. And I, I hope right. that people really enjoyed the facts that may only interest Tom Hammond quiz because that came from a lot of program reading. <laughs> Even though one of the so. questions was a, a bunk. Yeah, sorry about that. So <laughs> it, it was uh, it was tough enough as it was, Jude. Yeah, oh, that was rough without without getting questions wrong. Yeah, that's my bad. I've um, never felt dumber about Notre Dame. Uh, it's, <laughs> I, what, you know what? You didn't I, know about I, Ziggy I, I, and the chuck wagon? I could send my application in to be an undergrad right now and get what, get a terrible review back in denial, and I would still feel smarter than I did <laughs> after that test. Yeah, it was just funny. Like think, Again, and I hate to, to belabor this point, but there are so many articles written about this and named Ziggy uh Zarabowski and I'd never heard of this guy before and like clearly oh, he was like a, he was like a big deal. He, oh yeah, he's like, he was hanging on Moose Krause's wall. He he is in the book of the book cast that I uh still have to finish. <laughs> but there was a there was a big thing about Ziggy in there. He he was one of the most beloved um you know players from that era. Like everyone everyone fucking loved this guy. And they I mean, yeah. just, they loved him. And and, so they, and it is true were, like there was of all the players that uh, that Moose Crow, I mean, and Moose knew everybody. Uh, Ziggy was the only player he had hanging on his wall. That's amazing. Yeah. So just a lot of stuff, cool stuff like that that I, I, I've read. We should become the official uh, Ziggy uh, 
website here. <laughs> uh, official for a lot of things. I, I think that would probably probably fit right in. All right. Well, moving on to the show here. Now that we get the <laughs> all my crash topics fix. are over. <laughs> yeah, I got Jude's fix here. Uh, we're gonna get. A, I, I got some reviews. I got a lot of them tonight too. By the way, oh, I, nice. I got four of them to read here. Oh wow. Uh, so let, let, let's just jump right into it. Uh, five star again. Uh, if you go to Apple Podcasts, leave a rating, leave a review, whatever whatever you write down in that review, uh, we will read on the OFD podcast word for word. Uh, we've, we've had some good fun with this, uh, so let's jump right into it. We got we got four review we got four reviews tonight. Three of them are five stars. I'm just gonna assume. The fourth one is a five-star, and I'll explain that uh, when we get to it. Uh, <laughs> so the first one here is from Tommy Matisic. Uh, it says, there is only one true rival, and that is USC. Great podcast. Keep it up, fellas. Hope we all have a season to dissect this fall. Uh, yeah, Tommy, I we're with you. Wear a mask. Next is a five-star review from LF72649270. Like this show. Great show. Thanks for providing some great discussions. That's about as straightforward as it gets. Thanks, Ella. Uh, Let's see here. Ah! (laughs) Sorry, I'm having all sorts of stupid difficulties with my brain. Uh, Five-star review here from Irish Forever. Drive Time Rivalry Review. I find the podcast to be very unique, as I do with tacos, hot dogs, and when it comes to rating vegetables, let me just put broccoli in the number one position. The versatility of broccoli is unrivaled. You can boil it, bake it, add cheese, or put it in a casserole. The options are endless. Josh, maybe the one thing I do agree with you on is a plea for everyone to wear a mask. If I cannot get my 13 weeks of fall pleasure, is there really a reason to go on? I enjoy the podcast immensely. My only suggestion is to get Josh to tone down his, I'm going to assume he says fucking language. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) He he dared not write it down. Uh, Thank you. And this is from Bob. Thank you very much, Bob. Uh, I I, got to say, we agree on two things. I would put broccoli as my number one vegetable. It's dumb. Hands down. He's absolutely right. The onion okay. is the number one vegetable. I was going to say, onion is probably number one, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah that's fine. I love broccoli. Yeah, broccoli's broccoli great. Guy. I love I love broccoli, but you can't make uh, lasagna without onions. onions. It's not, I don't consider an onion a vegetable. It's seasoning. Well, it is it is a vegetable. I made meatloaf with broccoli I mean, one time. That's te- interesting. Technically, it's a vegetable, but it's I seasoning. mean, half of the vegetables we think are vegetables aren't, like cucumbers aren't, right. green peppers aren't, and tomatoes aren't. Right, they're all fruits. They are fruit. I don't know. It's it, it's seasoning. Broccoli's great. Like it's celery. Is that really a vegetable? No, it's seasoning. That's Use water. Giant sticks, giant sticks of seasoning with peanut butter and raisins. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. I don't know the way I would put it. Uh, so, the fourth review I got is actually uh, from a commenter on uh, One Foot Down, uh, Jay Polish Twenty Two, and I'm going to read this, even though it didn't leave it on Apple Podcasts. Um, uh, you'll understand why why I'm reading this and why he didn't uh, put it on Apple Podcasts. So it says, uh, review, 
Just like Josh refuses to acknowledge Navy as a rival, I refuse to use anything Apple. So I'll leave my review here. I am from Ohio, so I would love for a rivalry to develop with Ohio State. It seems unlikely as ND will not play them often enough, and ND would need to be more competitive in games against them. Josh, I spent the 4th of July weekend in your neck of the woods. I was floating on the Maumee River near Napoleon in Florida, Ohio, with light beer in hand. Hope you guys in the podcast had a great holiday weekend. Thank you very much, JPolis22. I was in Napoleon. I picked up my new dog, Bo Bow Wower. That's dynamite. <laughs> Who you might hear on the podcast here in a few minutes because he just got stuffed in his cage and <laughs> ready to go to bed. I tried to do you a solid and tag Bo Bauer in the uh, post. I don't know if he actually acknowledged that, though. Oh, yeah. that's all right. He, did, you hear he from, did you hear from Bo Bauer? I, I did not. I did not. I, I, although I will I will say this definitively. If I would have named him Ike or Eichenberg, uh, Liam Eichenberg would have would have fucking put that up. That's he would have gave it the respect. He would have gave it the respect. I mean, if I was a 20 year old kid and somebody named their dog after me, I'd be pretty damn psyched, but that's just me. So, I mean, he's, he's not really a kid. He's a fucking animal. He's a bear, man. <laughs> you know, I mean, so uh, bears do what bears got to do. So, shit in the woods. But yeah, they, <laughs> they do shit in the woods. So yeah, I got this, uh, I got this sweet little, uh, this little guy, this little wiener dog. He's not even two months old. Uh, over there in Napoleon. Yeah, and I've spent time in the Maumee River over there in Florida, Ohio, man. It's uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's a good old time. So, Do you think Jake Paulus is actually a Paulus? Or is that just a, uh, like, a Swarbrick for Perez? Well, this is, a, this, is a, this, is a, this is a Greg Paulus Paulus. Okay. This isn't, P- this isn't P-O-W. This is P-A-U. Oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. Thank you, Jake Paulus. Appreciate the... the yeah. "Quote unquote review." Yeah. yeah so you. hey, well, so obviously the you know my my invitation to everybody kind of extends out a little bit. I I get it if you don't want to do anything Apple, uh, but I appreciate you coming on the site and uh, putting that review on there. And I mean, I'm not saying that I gave it extra love because of all the hashtag Ohio love uh, that that you got there, but uh, it, it didn't hurt. It didn't definitely didn't hurt. <laughs> also, the four one nine Defiance County. What up? Somebody's got to love right. Ohio, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a fucking great state. <laughs> All right. So let's get down to business, y'all. Now that uh, no, we knocked a half hour out there. Big news today. Notre Dame got a, uh, got a, a commitment for the first time in a month. I, I believe the last one was uh, first week of June. Uh, but uh, the, this time it was a three-star tackle, Joe Alt from Minneapolis, Minnesota. I'm pretty excited about the guy. I He's listed at 6'7", 253. Uh, I think yeah. Matt Freeman, I think, or no, is Jamie. Uh, uh, Uyama. Say it. Thank you. Uyama. Say it right. Yep. I never say it right. Uh, he, I think he said it was more like around 260 right now. Uh, look, he, he's, he's a tight end in high school. Right? Yeah, he's a tight end in high school. Uh, this is a big athletic guy. This is a guy that uh, when, when Brian Kelly first took over at Notre Dame in 2010, his first recruiting class uh, he, you know, when he, when he first got, when he got to Notre Dame, it was in December. There was like a, like five, like he just went after guys. One of them was like, uh, was Bo, was not Bo Heggie, was, uh, Bruce Heggie. Uh, another guy was, uh, Tate Nichols, the guy he was recruiting while he's at Cincinnati from, from Kentucky. This was a big, you know, tight end, uh, high school kid too, that they were converting into a tackle 
really athletic, huge kid, huge kid ends up having, uh, you know, you get discharged on, on medical reasons, uh, in his career. But this is the kind of guy, this is the kind of project player that I can get behind like fully like offensive lineman, athletic offensive lineman that you don't really need to like he's on the team. Yeah. We'll hear from him again in 2023. And that's absolutely fine. I, I well, he's six, seven, which is awesome, but his that's, bloodlines, that's this guy. yeah, his bloodlines, Joe Alt was a pro bowler. He was a first round draft pick for the Kansas city chiefs. He was a, all well, I mean, big all Big Ten offensive tackle for the Iowa Hawkeyes. I mean, his dad is a legitimate NFL offensive lineman for like he had like a decade long career. So yeah, long the, kid, the kids got the bloodlines for it, and he's six foot seven. And I just picture Matt Bayless sitting there, just like rubbing his hands together, looking at this kid, just being like, "Get me this kid in the weight room." Cause they're going to, they're going to put, you know, 40 pounds of muscle on that frame. And like you said, Josh, in 2023, this is, this is one of those kids that like Iowa or Wisconsin gets. And then, um, you just end up going, Oh, huh. Where did this three-star kid come from? Who ends up in the first round? And I mean, I, congratulate the staff for being able to recognize this and get in on it. And especially beating out Iowa because the kid's dad was, you know, an all, all conference, you know, all Mr. Iowa guy himself. And he cut his own path and came to Notre Dame. And that is a testament to Jeff Quinn's ability to recognize this kid. I mean, what is he? He's like a 600, he's a three star 600th ranked player. But because he mostly played tight end and he's a raw talent. So let's get him in the Bayless system and see if um, we will see uh, if Quinn can develop him as an offensive lineman. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. I think he's a good he's the kind of three star kid you want to sign more so than just like tack on more so than like a Bruce Hedgie where just it was like, eh, this is this is a kid where you're like, OK, I see what the staff is doing. And I, I can see where the potential is and why they did what they did. And Heggie was a legit two star. Yeah, he was a legit two star. Uh, this, this, I think Joe Walt's a kid that, as he's you know entering into his senior year, um, he would have got a lot more buzz and maybe um, attention in recruiting if he was able to attend some some camps. And I don't know what his camp schedule looks like. Um, you know, yeah, we're talking it. about a position change. I mean, positions change and all that. Right. This is where he. This is where everyone was projecting him at. There's actually a, a, quite a bit of high praise. The ceiling's very high with him. Yeah, I. I mean, his he, his offer list isn't like the greatest. It's mostly just the regional players in the area. You know, Iowa, Iowa State, Kansas State, Minnesota. Um, but I like the fact that Notre Dame recognized it and got in on it. Um, and we'll, we'll see, we'll see what he develops. Cause this is a kid that's got a lot of room to develop and well, uh, yeah, I like, I like what the staff did with this one. This was a good, this was a good pickup. I think it, I, I like it better than in one thing. I think, uh, when it comes to offensive line recruiting, I kind of like it when you get a kid that's a little bit lighter in high school rather than bringing in a kid that's like three Oh five out of high school because you don't really know what you're going to do with a kid that's already 305. Is that a good 305 or is that a bad 305? It well, I mean, like Landon Tengwall, 
I mean, what wasn't he right around there, like three oh five? Yeah, yeah, he he's he's right around there, and you don't know what their flexibility's like, and they're so big that in high school they just sort of use their size to dominate. But somebody like Joe Alt, I mean, he's got flexibility because he wasn't always a big. It's sort of um, it's a lot like Kev, you know Kevin Durant. Um, he wasn't always a big, tall guy, and when he was growing up, he was smaller, and he sort of grew into that frame. And because he had to grow into it, he has better ball handling and a better jumper. And now, you know, Kevin Durant's a seven footer that can shoot a three. But you don't get that if you're just like, hey, I'm 15 years old and I'm seven foot. I dunk. Kind of like Earl Boykins being like four foot tall his entire life. He, you know, he could. He still. Uh, he still made shots around six. You know, guys that are six foot six. This is all. He, it's all he knows how to do. Yeah, and then he and then he got big. I gotta put an Eastern Michigan uh, ran into there. So, Jude, Jude, what's your thoughts on uh, on this grab? I mean, just. I, I don't know. I mean, I we had, we didn't discuss as much other than just a, a wee bit in the, our back channel today. Uh, what do you think? I was thinking about uh, Jason Kelsey, actually, about how uh, Brian Kelly had noticed that, you know, he was a guy that he could see on the offensive line, even though he hadn't played offensive line. And he moved him there and he yeah. turned out to be not only a good offensive lineman for Cincinnati, but, he, uh, you know, yeah, in the in the in the pros. Um, so I was I was just going to make a joke about who's your favorite <laughs> Brian Kelly converted to another position. You know, because you, you certainly have a, um, a plethora of choices there or whatever. Yeah. I don't know much about the kid, but, um, you know, obviously I'm very I guess um, we're going to talk about this in a, in a minute. But I think there was um, some bad juju that was feeling that people were feeling a little anxious about the fact that there hadn't been a commitment and that recruiting sort of felt like it was at a standstill and obviously getting a commitment from uh, from somebody who. Uh, shows great potential, you know, and it's not not like a Bruce Hedgy project or whatever. I think is a, a step in the right direction for kind of reclaiming the the narrative about what's going on in this kind of COVID era. Right, and I mean, and and I guess the you know not to not to play negative Nancy here or anything like that, but I mean, it it's not a, a high four five star type. It, it's not one of the big targets for that we've had in the last six months. Now, you know, this is a guy that Notre Dame wanted badly uh, targeted and went after very hard. Uh, and that's good. But I mean, just for like fans perspective, which, you know, I, I'm not trying to piss everybody off, but look, your perspective don't mean shit. Uh, I mean, yeah. our, you know, uh, you know, most cases, our opinions about the matter don't mean shit. If the staff wants them and they, and they, they really feel that uh, this is someone that's going to help their football program. I, I just, I gotta, I have to give them um, a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Now there's obviously things about recruiting that have been terrible. I, I think, you know, we've talked about this before. We're you know, going all in on Will Shipley with Donovan Edwards hanging out uh, up in Michigan. You know, that seemed like a bad move. And now the whole Donovan Edwards thing, like it was right after, you know, right after Shipley, you know, committed to Clemson like all eyes shifted on Edwards. Right. And now none of those eyes are looking that way. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's, it's not a, <clears throat> excuse me, not a commitment. That's, that's, you know, getting everybody, you know, all excited, but it's a, it's a step in the direction. Um, the fact that, you know, Rocco Spindler is going to announce in August now, um, you know, his time frame, he ended up having, he ended up changing what he was going to do, because of everything that's going on with, you know, with COVID, um, you know, there's some positive looks that way. 
there's some good things going on, but because, you know, maybe it's because of the Will Shipley thing. Maybe it's because of, of programs like Tennessee and North Carolina that are, you know, right now in June or excuse me, in July, uh, you know, up there in the recruiting rankings with like, you know, 30 fucking commits, uh, people are starting to get a little shaky about, and which is kind of silly. Uh, just, you know, just everything going on. So this was great news, uh, for, for lots of reasons, but you know, it's still, it's not going to, it's not going to, you, uh, to quiet the uh, the naysayers by any means. In fact, it might inflame them even more. Yeah. I think part of Notre Dame's problem as far as the 2021 class goes, perception-wise, is all of the best players that have signed with Notre Dame's 2021 class, they signed them in 2019. Last year, yeah. Like Tyler Buckner, Blake Fisher, Lorenzo Styles, Gabriel Rubio, those are four absolutely fantastic signings for the Notre Dame Huge. 2021 class. And if we were to have signed them in July, if we were to sign them this month, everybody would be melting down and like grabbing their faces like, oh, my fucking God. But because we signed them and had them locked up basically this time last year, right, because Buckner was – March of 2019, Fisher was June 2019, Styles was, you know, in October, and then Gabriel Rubio was the same day as Blake Fisher. That was that twofer. And then, um, you know, Kane Baron came, the, you know, the following week. But Mo- Notre Dame's top five players, because if you extend on to Kane Baron, was all signed last year. And I think people are just caught up because the momentum doesn't seem to be there, ignoring the fact that, you know, you have ignore the fact there's a four star corner in this class. Yeah. Which is, not something that, which is not something that Notre Dame has been that they're not accustomed to that. They just, no. they haven't been signing four star cornerbacks uh, and they got one. So uh, ch- chin up fellas. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, look, you know, look live out there. Would you? I don't think, uh, yeah, if, if we can, if we, if, if Notre Dame can finish off with a Rocco Spindler and if they can get, you know, Prince Colsey and they can maybe pick up, um, Prince Coley. Yeah. You, Prince Coley. You, yeah. You, you Sigmund Freud it with, Dian, the, with the Colsey. Dian Colsey. Yeah. Dian Colsey. <laughs> yeah the, the combo, but the, the, well, the, 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 the Prince Colsey is, uh, is their adopted son. <laughs> if they can get back in and I think they probably need one to two more wide receivers in this class. Um, and there's a, a couple just, they might be able to get back in on Colsey who can say, um, cause they were able to get back in with, uh, um, you know, with, uh, Lindsay. Yeah. Brain Lindsay. So it's, it's possible, but, um, there's a couple of kids they have their eyes on, but I don't know. Everybody just got so caught up in Shipley and when that didn't happen and Landon Tangwall and it just, it was sky is falling. Yeah. I mean, well, the, the Colsey decommitment was a, was a big one for people too. They, they set it off. Um, and you know, which is the decommitment was bigger than the commitment in people's eyes. Uh, I mean, which, you know, I guess the final results, that's what it is, but it just goes back to what we've, I've discussed it with Carter. I think might even brought it up with, uh, with Mike Singer, uh, is, you know, with Notre Dame got styles and Colsey like back to back in October, there just wasn't like this huge, like if it would have been done last month, huge, because it happened when it happened, it, it wasn't that big of a deal. 
um, or it, it just it wasn't made a big deal anyways. Uh, so, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It, none of this matters. Like the recruiting mo- – people talk about recruiting momentum. It, some, of the, I mean, I guess some of it does matter, but like this big – the big stories that we make it out to be, they don't fucking matter. They don't matter to these coaches, these programs, anywhere, whether it's Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame. this stuff happens on their timelines and, and how they go about it. We, we look at it like it's a big thing. Just like, I mean, my biggest pet peeve is when people are like predicting like, um, you know, a college football season and they point to like, Oh, they signed this great freshman class. So fucking what? (laughs) I, I, I don't know how that, like if there's one or two guys in there, go ahead and single them out, but they don't. They just say they signed this great freshman class. This means instead of a five-win team, they're going to be a fucking nine-win team. And guy, people people do it all the fucking time, and it's an absolute joke. And that's the whole that's the whole thing here. A lot of the, so much of this recruiting stuff is just absolute smokescreen, um, and it's just, I mean, it is it's what this industry is boiled down to. Not you know not trying to put it down at all or anything like that. I'm just saying what what we look into as a big deal. Eh, so it just isn't sometimes. No, I, I agree with that sentiment entirely because think about freshmen. I mean, there's Kyle Hamilton who is a freshman impact, you know, an impact freshman. Um, Chris Tyree obviously is going to have an immediate impact. Otherwise I'm eating a hat. I believe, I believe I'm eating a hat. If he doesn't have an immediate impact to come to Clemson game. Um, but yeah, I mean, freshmen, their impact, and even you know, guys like Aaron Lynch and stuff, they had huge impacts as freshmen, but it was rotational. And even if we talk about Kyle, Kyle's impact last year was enormous, but like it was, it was rotational, right? Don't you dare, I mean, Greg. Uh, Greg will get fired up, but even Greg can Greg acknowledge the, the but even Greg can acknowledge the fact that Kyle Hamilton's role last year was primarily one as a rotational guy because he had Jalen Elliott and Alohi Gilman, two of the most prolific and fantastic safeties Notre Dame's had since what um, Hayseed, right? Since since Harrison Smith and, uh, and other than Harrison I, Sergio Brown. Like that. Sap and Earl. Yeah. Their one-two punch was among the best Notre Dame's had in in a decade. So uh, even Kyle, who was the five-star of five stars, um, you know, as a freshman, think about Manti as a freshman or Jalen as a freshman. Uh, Kyle Rudolph as a freshman was fantastic, but even, even that was necessitated by injury, right? So... I don't know. It's, so Jude, uh, Jude alluded to this, and so we're, we're just going to go ahead and get right on into it. There was an article today over on uh, Irish Breakdown from uh, uh, Ryan. Some cat, Ryan Palmieri. Uh, mm-hmm. Mac Brown laying the blueprint for recruiting success Notre Dame needs to follow. Uh, Jude, <laughs> there, there, there's a lot of things wrong in, the, in this article. Uh sure. Go go ahead and and, uh, and lay it out. Sure. So this is Ryan's sort of all over the place here, and it's it's hard because there's some constantly shifting goalposts here, and and he's putting some things that fit his the fit his narrative that he wants to make. So the I took my takeaway from the article was that 
you know, there's a, been a slippage for Notre Dame, and he was trying to explain what has kind of transpired in the last couple of months, which I like to call the COVID era. And he was saying that if Notre Dame wants to rebound and and get that top five class that Brian Kelly talks about, and I think that we've been honest about the fact on this podcast that we don't believe a top five class is, is reachable, and I think a lot of people uh, around the program don't think that's reachable. I, it's a it's a good well, goal to it, try. I, to I believe it's reachable. I mean, it's reachable, but it's not a it's not a likelihood, you know, it, it, it can be attained, but there's a lot of things that go, that go into place with those. Right. And, and the biggest one of all is fucking numbers, period. How which many Notre kids have they signed this year? Right. Which Notre right. Dame does not have uh, <laughs> to give this year uh, to begin with. So it, it is so, something that, that can, they can do. It's a goal that they should shoot for, but it is not likely uh, for a multitude of reasons. Um, go ahead. Continue, Jude. Okay, so he was talking about what he calls the Mac Brown effect, and so you know, obviously Mac Brown was was hired at, at North Carolina. He thought it was going to be a, Ryan thought it was going to be a retread, and that you know this guy's in his late 60s. How much could he possibly um, you know do on the recruiting trail? And he said, well, a strong coaching staff with stud recruiters plays a major part. Brian Brown is also doing something Brian Kelly has lacked. Then he mentioned the fact that that Mac Brown has been texting and calling um, parents and players. First of all, I'm not, I don't know where he gets his information. I, I'm, I wasn't under the belief that Brian Kelly wasn't doing those things. I, I understand that there had been some talk before COVID uh, that he kind of takes a hands-off approach, but I think he had made comments um, suggesting that he was, he was doing a lot more because the kids were a lot more available. Um, am, am I wrong about that? No, I, I, I was going to respond as well, but I saw that you were fighting the good fight, so I didn't want to get into it. No, it uh, Brian Kelly has said the same things in the COVID era. And basically, Brian Kelly has said the same thing since Brian Kelly recruiting. I'm going to get a top five class, you know, Brian Kelly 3.0 recruiter. Yeah. So the next the next point he makes is he says it isn't a secret that Brian that Kelly doesn't hit the recruiting trail like Urban Meyer. I'm not really sure what point he was trying to make there because, as you, I think we're all well aware, Urban Meyer isn't on the recruiting trail. And again, if we're couching this in the in the why is Notre Dame slipping in the class of 2021, Urban Meyer hasn't done anything for any class in 2021 because he hasn't been recruiting because he's been working at Fox. He hasn't um, done anything for a recruiting class since 2018, and that was before he got involved in like a. Uh, you know, the scandal that he was involved yeah, in, right? Smith's sorted personal life. Yeah. The next sentence is it's also apparent. He doesn't attack recruiting like the 69 year old Brown. I, first of all, apparent, I, I would disagree with that premise. Uh, it says, however, Brown isn't doing it all himself. The staff has played a major part. And so he said coaches that can recruit. And so he said the biggest reason was having former NFL star Dre Bly on staff and recruiting Grimes, which is a, their new top 10 overall player, Tony Grimes. Um, first of all, Brian Kelly had a guy on staff that had a probably a bigger career than Dre Bryant. And that was Todd. Light. Uh, not he, probably. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, not probably. Definitely. Um, and so I don't remember Todd light recruiting anybody from his area that was a top 10 overall player. So I don't think it's just, did you play in the NFL? Oh, that attracts me. I want to come. Um, so I'm not really sure if your suggestion is that Dre Bly used his NFL status to be a great recruiter. I think Notre Dame has proven that that actually doesn't work that way. Uh, if, if not, if we would have had 
I mean, Todd Light would have would have raked him in instead of you know leaving to go do whatever he's doing now. So is his fair? is his is is what he's saying is if Brian Kelly wants to succeed, he needs to add a two-time Pro Bowl alumnus player to his roster as a recruiter. Am, am I reading that right? I mean, that's the suggestion. Is if it's so, just replace that Mike Elston with like Justin Tuck. Is is am I getting that right? Is I mean, it, I think Justin Tuck might attract a couple of people there, but you know, that's just me. But um, Ju- Justin Tuck probably did a lot more than Dre Bly did since can, I don't know how I, many Super Bowls yeah. Dre brought Bly yeah, won, but uh, or MVPs I, of the Super Bowl. Can yeah. I chop some like some some things about North Carolina's recruiting class of interest? Well. I'd like to get I would like to get there, but let me just keep going on just a little bit here. All okay. right. So it says Meyer has made comments recently that coaches on his staff need to be able to recruit at a high level. Now, I was giving Ryan a little bit of a hard time today. And I said, do you live in an alternate reality where Urban Meyer is still coaching? Because I don't know what Urban Meyer Meyer has made comments recently. What's recently um, coaches on his staff? Are you talking about his personal assistant and his makeup person? Because I don't know who's on his his staff Fox Sports staff, you know. Yeah. For, um, and then it says, "Elder Coach Nick Saban has a staff built on recruiters, and I would also argue Nick Saban probably can recruit a lot easier because they win a lot. And both Dabo Sweeney at Clemson and Ed Orgeron at LSU are as good on recruiting trail as they are with the X's and O's. Uh, I think the rap actually on Sweeney is that he sucks at recruiting, right? Isn't he, that like he's a Dabo very Sweeney? Guy? He famously says that if you want to come to Clemson, you come to us. He will not pay for a kid to take an official visit. He takes all of the kids got to come to Clemson on their own dime. Um, so Zabo Sweetie is about his hands off. And Nick Saban famously doesn't even know how to text on a phone. Uh, he does hire fantastic recruiters, but um, those guys are out the door. <laughs> it's a revolving door, right? I mean, where? Who was who on Nick Saban's staff in 2017 that's still there? Nobody, right? I mean, if you look at their you know, last national championship team, all of the assistant coaches are head coaches somewhere else. You know, Maryland, um, right? The, the, the head coach at Maryland was his OC. Um, Josh Gaddis is at Michigan is, a, is an offensive coordinator now. Um, Nick Saban staff turns over like a – um, you know, like the prime rib at an old country buffet. It's just always, <laughs> it's like the bed um, bugs in Greg's bed. They're just new ones every night. Oh, oh, ouch. Um, so he continues on and says, furthermore, my recent article on the blue trip ratio shows you need to pull a top 15 class to even stand at winning a title. First of all, uh, the blue chip ratio is made up by, was made by Bud Elliott. It has nothing to do with, with this Ryan kid, but, uh, Notre Dame's already pulling a top 15 class. In fact, they've been in the blue chip ratio, um, I think every year in the Brian Kelly era, but m- maybe one or two they haven't been in. So I'm not really sure what he's, he, he's talking about elite recruits, but then he's talking about a top 15 class and that's different than elite recruits. I mean, you can get a five star in your class, but if it's all filled with three stars, you're not going to have a top 15 recruiting class. It's a, it's a holistic view. It's not a an individual view. So I want to, I want to make that point because he's going to come up, he's going to come up to Stanford later. And, and I think this is where he kind of loses us. It says, uh, uh, development is important, but landing the elite player still stands at the top. Well, no shit, Sherlock. Um, let's see. It says more emphasis needs to be played on recruiting ability. When a coaching hire is made, Lance Taylor is proving he can recruit at a high level. Do we agree with that? Do is Lance Taylor proving he can recruit at a high level? Cause to be honest with you, I think Lance Taylor's, he's got- He's one a lot of two. His, 
I was going to say a lot of his people have been, they started with Chip Long, right? Do you want to give him Chris Tyree, Josh? Is that, is it, is it fair to give him Chris Tyree? Did we lose Josh? We might've, uh, he could be cracking some Marischewitz, you know, (laughs) no, I, I, no, I was wondering. I was wondering why I tried to interject earlier, and you just kept talking. Uh, but <laughs> no, it, you can you you can give uh, you could give Lance Taylor credit for that. Uh, it, it's a shared credit. And look, no recruit is one guy. No. All right. right. Anyway, well, for, for the most part, it, yeah, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's that, a team effort. It's but it's his position you group. That, you make you make that point because in the very next paragraph it says basically. That Joe Moore with Moorhead was interested in their name job, which I'm not sure it was actually true, but that's fine. Um, Moorhead went to to Ohio, uh, Oregon, and guess what? Since Moorhead was hired, Oregon has landed seven four-star players on offense. All came during the dead period that was brought by COVID-19. Clearly, Notre Dame made a mistake by not hiring Joe Moorhead, right? They should have so signed Moorhead. Actually, looked up all their seven recruits or whatever, right? So let me just go through them real quickly here. Yeah, uh, make sure you give me the states too. Yeah, Terrence Ferguson from Littleton, Colorado, is a tight end. He was recruited by Bobby Williams and Alex Mirabel. Hmm, that doesn't sound like Michigan State Bobby Williams? Uh, Slap your face, Bobby Williams? Jonah, Jonah Miller, an offensive guard from Tucson, Arizona, was recruited by Alex Mirabel. Maliki Matatavo, a tight end from Henderson, Nevada, Required, recruited by Bobby Williams and Jim Mastro. Boy, where's Joe Moorhead here? Uh, Isaiah Brevard, right, wide receiver, South Haven, Mississippi. Yeah, uh, recruited by receiver. recruited by Joe Moorhead and Brian McClendon from Mississippi. You don't say. Okay, there's wait, one. Wait, 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 wait. Where did Joe Moorhead coach? Oh, I think it was just Mississippi, right? Oh yeah, so he was Mississippi State. Maybe head. somebody he had actually started a relationship with before he got to work. I'm, I'm just saying. Uh, Kyron Ware Hudson from Santa Ana, California, wide receiver, recruited by Brian McClendon and Rod Chance. Uh, Jalen Davies. Oh, that's a cornerback. I apologize. Uh, Bram Walden, an offensive tackle from Scottsdale, Arizona, rec- recruited by Alex Mirabal. Mirabal. And uh, Troy Franklin, Franklin, a wide receiver, Menlo Park, California, recruited by Jim Mastro, Brian McClendon. So even 24-7 is basically Joe Moore had nothing to do with those seven recruits, Listen, right? He, oh, I, he got I, one of them. I, I can't let us go any farther okay. without I, – I have to throw this point down just, just to make sure it's highlighted. I, look, Mac Brown has 17 commitments at North yep. Carolina right now. Where are 14 it's, of them from? Exactly. 14 of them. Are from the fucking state of North Carolina. What is Mac Brown great at? Hold up. Throwing down what? a fence around a state. He did Texas. it at Texas. He has listen, Mac we are not saying Mac Brown is not a, a genius recruiter because he is. He in fact he's the one that that has pushed everything forward with, with a lot of schools. The way Texas was locking guys up two cycles early. I mean, he's he's like the guy that people were having to chase. What he did with that talent was even funnier. Uh, but look, at North Carolina right now, 14 of their 17 commitments are from the state of North Carolina. One is from South Carolina. One is from Tennessee. One is from Virginia. How many of these 17 players hold offers from Notre Dame? Nuns. Zero. Zero. <laughs> Zero. Yep. So I, I got Virginia I don't know what like, else to say. The last, the last thing it says, 
there's no excuse to get out recruited by at this point by Brown and the Tar, the Tar Heels. How are you getting out recruited? Well, you this is not, my point. Not. The average recruit for North Carolina is uh, is scoring in 92.1, and the average recruit for Notre Dame, because this is the only way to do it when Notre Dame has 12 commits and North Carolina has 17 commits, is uh, 91.01, right? Uh, is that point that one point average better worth writing a thousand word article about because mm. i don't think so no I, about 17 players that don't hold offers to notre dame that <laughs> i mean and look i'm not saying look, i i and say so, i'm not saying that because these like these guys are deserving a notre dame offer but these are guys that notre dame can can go after these aren't uh you know this just isn't this is we talk about the academic requirements, all that. Maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. Uh, but none of these guys hold Notre Dame offers. So you can't say you out-recruited when, a, like Jude said, your average recruiting ranking is basically the same. And none of these guys you're going head-to-head with. How many Notre Dame's guys hold North Carolina offers? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not even going to check. Uh, but, I, you know, if they do, we won. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, if you went head-to-head, you won. Uh, it's just, it's, it's absolutely... Ludicrous. And well, that, thing, I think that's what you're getting at with this age of COVID, this. the age of COVID in this, it is become a regionalized thing. In many cases, it's either a hardcore relationship. Like you were talking about with Jor Moorhead already having, you know, some relationship with the guy in, Minis- in Mississippi. Yep. It's a hardcore relationship that you already had or regional and, and any other ones besides that are just kind of like you really put in the fucking work. Like with Joe Alt, you put in the work. Cause that's not a regional. There's, there's that big tie there. So I, I just don't get it. I mean, they have 17 commitments by the time January comes rolling around. If they're still in the top 10, I'd be shocked. I would well, be too. Ryan Palmieri is writing as the, from the perspective of the hair and the race just started two hours ago. You know, it's like, this is July 6th. Okay. And I, and I said to Ryan, do you think UNC is going to end up with a better class than Notre Dame when all is said and done? He said, I absolutely do. I said, okay, I guess we'll find out, you know, but I just, I mean, define, but define better though. I mean, I, I, well, look, when recruiting, it's so subjective because I mean, do you want to just say the ranking? I, I, look, well, I'll break it down any which way he wants to break it down. If he wants to, it, look, right now he's been breaking it down by uh, North Carolina is the number three overall recruiting class. And therefore that is something significant to him. If North Carolina well, dropped signed, to, when they signed they 27 this, kids in this class, they signed 27 kids and Notre Dame barely gets 20 because numbers. Yeah. How is then, it? Then I will be arguing that you should look at the average, right? <laughs> my, my big summer project, uh, OFD big summer project is to break down, Every roster that Notre Dame is playing this season based off of the recruiting ranking of every player still on the roster. And if if you want to talk about recruiting rankings being better, let's talk about USC recruiting rankings outside of last year's debacle. But like USC recruiting rankings looked fantastic. I look at it, North Carolina's ranking and I see a cornerback. That's great. And I see a bunch of players that I, I mean – other than Power Eccles, because he has an awesome name, and he's a linebacker, and Notre Dame seems to be allergic to recruiting linebackers. And he, and he goes to Zebulon v, B. Yeah. Vance. I, Which is he, fantastic. You can't, can't get better name power than Power Eccles from Zebulon B. Vance. That's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I'm absolutely jealous of this commitment. 
we have we have a better quarterback. Um, we have a better wide receiver. We have a better tight end. Um, and they, I, I mean, we have a better D tackle. So, I mean, we're better recruiting class in a lot of areas. So I, I don't know. They have a better, they have a better cornerback. And this, this article was written because they signed Tony Grimes is ultimately what it boils down to. Right. Right. And, and because he wanted and, to, to put in the, the Stanford. I, look, and because apparently they have an echo chamber over Irish breakdown where apparently anything you can say negative about Brian Kelly and Tommy Reese is well received by the the commentariat over there, and and apparent and when he put this story up on on Twitter, he's like Brian Kelly homers beware. Yeah, that's uh, what caught. You're me. not a homer if you if you point out like natural facts where you're like you didn't even do your research here, son. Like this is a bad article, and the fact that people are their takeaway from this is BK needs to be jettisoned. Are you high? Are, honestly, are you high? Well, it's like uh, the thing Josh put out in his three things this morning or early afternoon where it was like uh, Fox Sports is ranking the top 10 coaches in college football and Mac Browns and Mario Cristobal is in the fucking photo. And Brian, they had to put an amendment at the end where they're like, oh, yeah, Brian Kelly's won two coach of the year, AP coach of the years and, you know, 2012 and 2018. It's like, look, yeah, Brian Kelly did because Brian Kelly is not a horrible. Mac Brown athlete. got ran out of Austin. Because he can't coach or, or because I won't say he can't coach, but because his coaching acumen had become such shit that they had all the talent in the world, all the advantages over everybody in that state, a the talent rich money. state like Texas to get any player they wanted. It was coming up crap after ever after once Vince Young was gone, it was done. Oh, oh I mean, outside of Vince he, Young, how many, how many big 12 titles? did Mac Brown win if it wasn't for Vince Young? He won like three Big 12 titles in his like 20-year career there. And look, and I, I really enjoyed, and I did. I mean, I, I like Mac Brown personally. Like, I, I just, he's I like He's fantastic in the booth with those uh, supercasts. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just like Mac Brown. I, there's not a whole lot of bad things I could say about him. Really, I just think he's, I think he's all right. But, so one of my favorite things last year was I followed North Carolina season. And it was pretty enjoyable because of how bad, you know, you thought North Carolina was going to be. And, you know, look, they didn't have a great season, but they won a bowl game against Temple at the military bowl, mm-hmm. you know, but they gave Clemson, they gave Clemson a game, you know, they beat South Carolina right out, right out the bat of the season. I mean, I mean you, they lost to Appalachian state. They lost to Wake Forest. They, Sam Howell, they, right? Everybody's they, they talking about a, Sam Howell. They lost in a six overtime game to Virginia Tech. They lost it overtime to Pitt. Uh, I mean, look, the, it was a it was a fun time. They got a, they got an exciting freshman quarterback. But if you if you're just looking at and this is what pisses me off about fans that just I just don't know if they quite get it. You're just looking at recruiting, right? Why aren't you looking? What 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 about what's going on in the field has you so impressed? You know what I mean? I I I, I haven't quite got there yet. Uh, meanwhile, Brian Kelly, you're bashing him for recruiting yet. You know, we've won what, uh, three seasons, you know, three seasons in a row, double digit wins, Seven uh, four losses last, in the last three, the last five, I, Josh, Brendan, do you know what Mac Brown's record was after Colt McCoy exited the BCS national championship? It was game with 30 Texas? and 21, it was 37 and 27. It was 30 that. and 21 in his last four seasons at Texas. 
So Mac like, Brown, if, if he can if win Brian some football Kelly games with a good quarterback. Brian Kelly went 37 and 27. Fire him. Uh, we have a lot bigger problems than we currently have right now. Uh, that's like Weissian numbers right there. No, it's, that's exactly what Mac Brown is. Mac Brown is like is Charlie Weiss. So I mean, are you one? Do you want to bring Weiss back? We can get the listen. We'll go get those big ass recruits. I mean, Charlie Weiss. It, of all the things that Charlie Weiss fucked up at Notre Dame, the one thing that he proved is that the narrative about Notre Dame not being able to recruit with the big boys. He proved that wrong by going out and getting those big recruits. Charlie Weiss went 35 and 27 at Notre Dame. Right. That's better than Mac Brown. Kelly is able to, to still maintain. I mean, we still are not. It's not like we're finishing, you know, out of the top 25. Recruit. I mean, these are top 15 classes. You should be able to do something. Well, I, I just, last year was, was the 17th ranked. Success. It was the 17th ranked class last year, right? So last right. year, Notre Dame ended up finishing with the 17th ranked class. But they ended up the three players that they the they had what seventeen kids signed last year, and you look at those seventeen kids that they signed. Um, that's the thing. That's that's I'm that's, who's excited. Who's excited about Chris Tyree next season and Michael Mayer and Jordan Johnson? Those are three offensive players that have me like. I get you hot only and signed seventeen guys, and you are like you're still you're six spots over the or whatever it is over the scholarship, you didn't sign enough guys to be in that top picture. No, nobody, I mean, but, nobody who, who, so Notre Dame finished 17th. The team that of all of the teams that finished ahead of Notre Dame, the highest number of kids that they signed was 20. And that was Texas. Uh, other than that, everybody was like 22, 23, 27, 22, 26, 25, 23, 25, 25. Everybody signed like six, seven more kids in Notre Dame. Notre Dame, I mean, if you if you look at the average, they did pretty good. I mean, what I, what I've been, top what I've, average class. What I've been starting to do is starting to look at who are your top five recruits in these classes because it is hard to judge classes where you only have seventeen kids committed. And yes, average rating is certainly one that uh, I think Notre Dame was a. Uh, what is it? Is ninety point seven five? Was their was their average with the twenty twenty? It was class. ahead of Penn State. It was ahead of Miami. But, but of here's their top five Michigan, guys. Oregon. Here's their top five guys: Michael Mayer, Jordan Johnson, Chris Tyree, Tosh Baker, Jordan Patello. Boom. There's that's a that's solid. Take three class. I mean, not all not all these classes are going to have absolute stars. But you're going to have stars, and then you're going to have guys that fill in and guys that develop. I mean, other name. I mean, it's just it's astounding to me how recruiting has come down to just uh, for people just like what your team recruiting ranking is, when it is so much just based on just pure numbers, which it used to not be. It used to be your top twenty kids. Yeah. You, it, you know, so if you had 21 commitments, it would just it was just going off your top 20, and you get a 22nd commitment, it might kick a guy down, you know, which would raise your recruiting ranking. That's all. I'm pretty sure that's all changed now. Uh, they have these. If you look at the, own, if you look at the, if you look at the 247 20, uh, 2020 rankings, and you just base it off of average, Notre Dame has the number nine class. If it's just based off of average recruiting class. It is the number nine class. 
they're they're below Texas, Auburn, Texas A&M, Ohio State, LSU, Clemson, Alabama, Georgia. No other school is above them outside of those eight. They have the nine class. They're ahead of Florida. They're ahead of Tennessee. They're ahead of Oklahoma. They're ahead of Oregon. They're ahead of Michigan. They're ahead of Penn State. They're ahead of Miami and Washington. All of the classes that that 24-7 has above them. I, I, I don't know. I, they're being penalized for not signing as many kids and i'm i'm fine with that i'm fine with having chris tyree and michael Mayer and jordan johnson and you know tosh i'm, I'm fine let's, with that let's go to another class here 2017 notre dame recruiting class they, they signed 21 kids they finished ranked 10th in the country in team rankings yeah with a, but their average rating was 89.37 percent their top five recruits were brock wright cole Komet, robert hainsey Josh Lug, Darnell Yule, right? And, and if you want to say top six, Aaron Banks was six. He's but also it. in this class was Jeremiah Wusukormoa, Jafar Armstrong, Myron Tagalova Amosa, uh, Kurt Heidish, uh, <laughs> Drew White. I mean, Jonathan Doerr. I mean, you, you have and to look at Jordan Jen Markeith might be your starting. Jordan Jen Markeith might be your starting, you know, Mike Light or uh, not Mike, but. um. Uh, uh, replacement for um, uh, Bilal. So, I mean, he might be your starting. Uh, Buck. What did Bilal? Yeah, Buck. Yeah, yeah. You want to say Buck? All right. So, like, and everyone will say it. You're not going to hit on every recruit, whether it's a five star, four star, three. You're not going to hit on every recruit. You go up and down on this 2021 class, on this, uh, excuse me, 2017 class with 21 commits. And you start going through, there's a decent amount of hits in here. Yeah. And if a guy isn't a hit, it doesn't really matter how much of a not hit he was. Like guys like Kofi Wardlow, uh, Jonathan McAllister, uh, Michael Young uh, was in that class. Uh, you know, Dylan Gibbons, he has some problems. Isaiah Robertson, CJ Holmes, David Adams. The hits on here are pretty fucking solid hits. And so, I mean, you know, it is, you know, you're looking up from what, what happened last season, 2016, they signed two more recruits, right? They said 23 finished in the top 15. And, you know, 2016 was a pretty crap year for Notre Dame uh, on the field. Uh, you know, but, you know, they're freshmen coming in. Guys like their top five recruits out here were Tommy Kramer, Liam Eikerberg, Javon McKinley, Dalen Hayes, Chase Claypool. If you went six, it was Khalid Kareem. If you went, if you seven, went seven, it was Troy, yeah. Pride, it was Troy Pride Jr. You go down two more spots as Julian Aquara, Tony Jones Jr., Trojan Killer, Jalen Elliott, Julian Ian Love, Book, Kevin Stefferson, Julian Love's on there, Adi Ogundeji. I mean, just better. I. I'm not one trying. of the most prolific long snappers in Notre Dame history, John Shannon. How can we forget John Shannon? I'm not trying to sound the Brian Kelly recruiting hype train because it, there has been a lot of frustrations on the recruiting trail, but, and we've expressed some of them on this podcast, right? But they're doing just fine. I, I mean, and I know people don't want to hear just fine because they want elite. They want, you know, all that. And look, man, it's just sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. Maybe a new head coach is going to get you, uh, uh, you know, some some better days on signing day. But 
Is he going to get you better wins on the field? I don't. You can't prove that. You you can't. I mean, you bring Ryan Day to Notre Dame. What's Ryan Day do? Um. Does he have? Is he? Well, qu- quick question. If we bring Ryan Day to Notre Dame. Does he get to bring Urban Meyer's coattails with him, or does he have to leave them in? Closet? Well, I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe Urban Meyer left a set of coattails in a closet. Can he, can he fence off Ohio for us? Can he fence off the state of Ohio and the top five kids that he wants in the state? I mean, I, I do people not understand that? Like Ryan Day, and I'm not trying to knock him, but it's not like he walked into a bet. It's a any kind of dicey situation other than PR at Ohio State. Did he have the best recruiting team that money can buy? I mean, like, it's just – well, I I would rather have, like the article stated, I would rather have Stanford's recruiting, right, Jude? Because that, that's uh, what they ended on. You know, it's funny because he made some, he made some comment about the fact that Stanford has gotten more five-star players over the last 10 years. Right. But that's not how we actually play football. We don't play it one person at a time. We play it 11 on 11. So it's more important to build a holistic approach, right? Meet needs, uh, get well, more what, overall great players. You have less players you have to develop. Uh, well, Stanford, certainly. I mean, Notre Dame wants to be Stanford. I, I listened to the Off the Rails podcast and I learned all about cat <laughs> shitting in bushes. <laughs> so I know all about Purdue Pete in his sweatpants and his creepy soulless eyes putting his cats in Josh's Josh's bushes shitting in the bush. Um, the fucking crime. But I also learned that there's a lot of love for Stanford that seemingly is unwarranted, right? I'm mean, Josh, you put it pretty eloquently. They've done nothing. In what have they won? I mean – I, and, that, and that's a big you put he's like, this, 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 this article's putting Mac Brown on a pedestal people and fans have put Stanford on a pedestal. <laughs> what have they what have you won if if the national championship is your is Notre Dame's goal and as a fan if that's all you obsess about and there are plenty of you out there why are you putting Mac Brown on a pedestal at North Carolina why are you putting Stanford on a fucking pedestal James what Franklin, pedestal Oh, what are what are they standing on the pedestal holding? James Franklin, Penn State, exactly. What have they won? Um, they've approximately finished zero seasons in James Franklin's I don't know six seven year era with less than two regular season losses. Hey, Brendan, is this the year that James Franklin finally breaks through and uh, wins a playoff game? <laughs> it would be the first year that he makes a playoff. Um, okay, but. <laughs> I mean, I'm asking the questions that people have been asking for quite a while, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm I'm certain that uh, this is the year that that Penn State with uh, a new, uh, you know, with a, with a turnover at uh, many offensive positions and defensive positions that Penn State will probably break through. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I for sure. I mean, what sure. this all boils down to is that, you know, if I'm wrong, y'all can comment back at hashtag Josh is wrong. But so much of what I mean, go ahead. I don't give a fuck. Uh, come at me. But so much of, the, of this is just because of people's hatred or dislike of Brian Kelly and their angst. And I'm not trying to knock them, man. I, I get the I get the frustration and the angst at not being able to get to the top of the fucking mountain. I mean, I, you kind of put aside 
a BCS national championship appearance. You put aside a spot in the, you know, in the college football playoffs, things that people have not let very many schools have done, but because they have not won a national title because they've, they've had some bad, you know, a few bad losses, more than a few. They've had some, they've had their fair share of bad losses, but yet has been a steady program. All of a sudden this, Brian Kelly is like enemy number one. So there's nothing good there for him. There's no light at the end of the tunnel for him, which is just to me is maddening because look, I don't know how many times I have to fucking say this. I am 41 years old. This is as good as a Notre Dame program post holes as you've, uh, it's not even close. I'm Josh, mad. True or I'm, I hate, when you I hate were, the, listen, hold on. Let me finish. I hate the, <laughs> the whole this is the best coach since Lou Holtz thing. But at some point you have to, yeah, you kind of just have to hang your hat on that. Like, look, we've been through the fucking dark ages. Dude was in school in the Brian, the Bob Davey fucking era. Lighten the fuck up y'all. I, I get you're frustrated. You want more wins, but Notre Dame is not an easy place to win. There are advantages. Yes, there are. I'm not going to, I can sit here and dispute that. It's not, a, but it is still not an easy place to just be a Ryan Day that just rides some fucking coattails, or Lincoln Riley and rides some fucking coattails. Right. Look, a, you, you can criticize Brian Kelly and his recruiting effort all you want, but the second you come after him and say he should be more like Mac Brown, that's when you you lost me. Personally. Lost me. So, lost me. Yeah, Josh. Also, you were you on when you were in your thirties. When you were in your thirties. When you, let's say you were 38 years old, <laughs> did you or did you not call for Brian Kelly's head in 2006? Absolutely. Absolutely. I know for a fact you did. Absolutely. And I, I lost uh, a lot of people lost a lot of respect for me back in 2016 but, because of that. But, but, but you, you've recognized, I mean, so there's other, there's other places where they will say that, you know, they're glass, they're the most glass half full or, or they'll say that like, well, listen, we're the realest people. But they haven't changed their opinions since 2000. Like 2016 happened, and it takes an adult to be able to recognize that, and then to look at what's happened. There's Brian Kelly 1.0, and like since 2016, it's a different operation, right? When I called for Brian Kelly, said it started with the NC State game, which <laughs> in the monsoon was the, was which was probably a crescendo for many. People out there. Yeah. I mean, I lost my absolute shit, but I mean, just once the season was over and it was known that Brian Kelly was going to come back there, it, there just comes a point where railing against Brian Kelly just was just an exhaustive and pointless exercise because it wasn't going to happen no matter how many billboards you put up or how many, how, how much you wished it or how many, you know, Hail Marys that you said in mass that week. He was you, coming back. Did you forbid now, that from watching the games? Uh, no. Oh, <laughs> but, just, but just because I realized that Brian Kelly was coming back didn't mean I was giving him a fucking a full pass. What I gave him was you know, just some room to work with. Let's see. Let's see what happens now. I mean, that's, that's all I had. I mean, if, all right, he's coming back. With, I, let's see what happens. And I got to tell you. I'm okay with what's happened since 2016. <laughs> Me too. I, I I know that's a crime for some people to like. They think it's you're accepting mediocrity. You know, winning uh, 10, 11, you know, 
12 and 11 games uh, in those three seasons, but uh, I don't know where the fuck y'all been for the last 30 years, but this is, this is okay. You know, can we win some bigger games? That would be great. Um, you, you know, look, it, it's right there. You know, there's just some, there's some bad breaks, man. Georgia 2017, you know, we talked about this. Greg talked about this the other day. We watched it. That was a game that was full of fucking bad breaks for Notre Dame. Oh, that fucking catch in the back of the end zone, the touchdown. Yeah, yeah. it's a great uh, catch. Clemson 2015, the, the, the thing that, be, that made Clemson become Clemson. The, the Stanford game in 2015. The oh, fucking, God. I mean, that, man. the face pass penalty having the ball, having the ball with a little over two minutes left in Athens and the craziest freaking atmosphere I've ever seen in my life. I mean, that's, it was wild. You still had a chance to win. Yep. Florida state 2014. It was, that was it's, a win. That was a win. It's like, look, if, if this was, if we were, in, if we were back in, I don't know, Bebber or something like that. Maybe we would think like God hated us or we had angered the gods because these big, you know, these big moments keep breaking our backs a little bit. But at the same time, you look at what Notre Dame has, has been since 2016. And I, 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 I'm okay. I'm okay. You know, I've just, you're right there. So can it, can it still happen? Yes. You know, maybe, you know, maybe Brian Kelly isn't the coach that for Notre Dame to win a national title. And I, I can fully get behind people that, you know, that understand that, you know, completely, but he's probably, he's going to be there guys. I just, I, I don't know how else to tell you he's going to be at Notre Dame until he decides to retire. You can keep beating against your head against the wall all you want. And that's fine. That's, that, that's your personal decision. Just like, you know, if you think fucking Navy's a rival or something, but who would have such a terrible it's take? It's not going anywhere. <laughs> So you're saying that Notre Dame at some point – so what you're telling me, Josh, is that Notre Dame was in the swamps of Sussex with the Norse surrounding them. Uh, and basically oh, all of England uh, has fallen at this point and that Brian Kelly turned to, I don't know, uh, linebackers coach named Clark Lee – and said, listen, I am your Charl. You're going to prove your allegiance to me. And in order to take back your kingdom of, um, you know, Bevenberg, you're going to need to subscribe to my uh, dogma and religion, and you need to help right. me take back all of England. Is that what you're well, telling me here? That Clark I am. It, it, listen, it, it's like this. Like At, at this point, Vash and Brian Kelly just kind of feels like a novelty exercise by Guy, people that just can't get past whatever the fuck they can't get past. I mean, I mean, what binds a man to a land? You have a poor wretch toiling in the fields, burning in summer and shivering in winter. He works all day, every day, for nothing more than a loaf of bread and a pot to piss in. His children die of disease. His wife dies giving him children. Yet when that land is threatened, something stirs. It could only be love. Tis a powerful thing. Would you not agree? From wretch to warrior... Love gives a man strength, often at the cost of his mind. You can't hear the sound, but that's me pounding my sword on my shield as we form a shield wall around you, Josh, my Jarl, and we declare that Brian Kelly is the true king of England. 
He's my king. I don't know what else to say. I mean, that's basically what it was boiled down for me. I feel like I'm fucking Lord Richard out here swinging my fucking sword and axe. And Brian Kelly keeps fucking me over, but he's my king. I don't know what else to say uh, to to that end. It is what it is. I mean, <laughs> all these magical scenarios people keep coming up with are not going to fucking happen. Urban Meyer is not coming to South Bend. Shut up. Right. I mean, go ahead and pick whatever scenario you want. It's not fucking happening. Even if they tried to make it happen, it would not happen. Is an even better, bigger point. So articles like this, and and I, you know, and I hesitated at even bringing bringing this up, but I'm glad we did tonight. I'm glad I'm glad we did. Just prove that. Just there's just so much nonsense out there. There's just so much that you you could throw you know throw that shit against the wall all you want. And you can make it anything, right? You can call it art. But all it is is still shit on against the wall. All right, Jude, do you have any more points to make about this? I think we gave way way more time than he, he deserved for that all article. Right. That was just, it was look just just chill, people. It's July sixth. All right, we can if this is happening in December, we can we can have that conversation. But it's July sixth. Let's chill. All right, we're going to take a quick uh, quick break, and we are going to come back. We're going to get into a little bit of – I mean, Jude's getting sleepy time, so we'll probably have to make this quick. <laughs> but uh, we will uh, get into part two about Notre Dame rivalry. So uh, stay with us. Be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Fellas, I love that we're an hour and 25 minutes in this podcast and we're taking our halftime break. All right. Notre Dame rivalries. Again, it is rivalry week again uh, at SB Nation. And we're going to keep we're going to do some more on the site all week long. We're going to have some fun with it. We already went through a big ta-da with the big R, little R. um, Had an off the rails episode. Had a breakout about uh, personal choices in life. And uh, yes, Purdue Pete uh, putting cats in your mulch uh, so he can make shit on them. But uh, I, I want to get into a few more specifics about about rivalries. And so, Jude, as the as the one alum on this show, <laughs> and I, 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 I guess I, so. I'm, you you were also in school during the time where, uh, what what okay, what was the years that you were at Notre Dame? It was 96, 97. 90, 98 to two thousand and two. <laughs> Okay, so you were there all all four, four years. Four, four, the, four and five Davy years, and none of the Willingham years. But you got, you got four games of Michigan. No, they didn't play in ninety nine and two thousand. Right? Oh, yeah, that's right. It was in breaks, and we still no, haven't no, talked about what the hell two thousand and two thousand one because they played ninety nine for sure. Right. Okay. 
Well, I guess that kind of goes again. But what? What's your bit? What's your number? What's your number one? What's your number one rival at Notre Dame? And what's your best experience? Your best, the best moment you had uh, with with that rivalry uh, since you've been a fan, or or when you were at school, or whatever. So, my number one rival is, is USC, and I would say my best experience as a fan was probably 2001 when we <laughs> had. Maybe no business beating USC, but did anyways. Um, it was a really fun game, and I think it's available on YouTube, but uh, definitely one of those like, oh, my God, we beat Oklahoma and USC. That was probably a pretty good season, right? Nope, nope, that was not a good season at all. <laughs> sure was so, um, so that's probably one of my favorite ones. Uh, other games to stand out, I mean, this was kind of early in my fandom. I really, I don't think I can really claim it, but um, – Lou setting to his best players home in the 88 game out uh, before the Coliseum when they're going to play for a chance at the national championship and still win. My boy, game. Ricky. And uh, yeah. And uh, Tony Rice running down the sideline uh, like a banshee out of hell. Right. And uh, <laughs> 95 was a great game. Uh, there's a lot of good USC games and a lot of them are available on YouTube to, to go. Did you, reminisce br- about. Did you bring up the 99 game? Uh, I did not. I did not bring up the '99 game. So yeah, the the '99 game is probably you know one of the. I stated before one of my favorites of all time. It was one of Rick right. Carr. It was I a huge comeback. I, I said 2000. I said 2001, but I meant '99 That's in terms of Oklahoma okay. and USC. Yeah, because you brought up Oklahoma. Okay, yeah, yeah. I apologize. I apologize. I got my I got my bad bad day years uh, conflated Dude, there. Jude's so fucked up right now on an OD of programs. He, he's he might get a few years mixed up. Yeah, I mean he's just been freebasing I programs mean, all night. 99 and 2001 were both big wins for, for Bob Davies against USC because he couldn't beat Michigan State, but he could beat USC. It's very Yeah, who, could, who couldn't who could beat Bob Hackett, though? That's true. Or but Paul, Pete Carroll. But he could right? beat Pete Carroll. Yeah, Paul Paul yeah. Hackett. yeah he, so, could, he did beat – he was, was the only one that beat yeah, – I was going to say, that's the thing that Ty and, and Charlie couldn't, couldn't get done. So, um, 98, I will not talk about. That is not something I want to talk about. Uh, I, what I would say is if you want to talk, you want to do deep dives about Notre Dame USD games, there's actually a really good podcast that I would suggest called the Untitled Notre Dame USC uh, podcast hosted by our Who good friend that Greg podcast? from UHND. And it's hey, I Michael. did the art for that. And they, uh, they have gone through some classic games, and you should definitely listen to them. But uh, so USC is my, my number one, and – you know, obviously, during my lifetime, there's been some heartbreaking games, and I will not talk about them. And there's been some games. And, and to be honest with you, I don't think a lot of people overrate the 2012 game. Um, but it was I, – I will admit, it was satisfying to go in knowing that – That's it, important. Yeah, how, important. How, do you, how do you overrate that? How, how can that be overrated? Well, because it was, with, what was boring. On the, on the it line. was boring. It was, it was a boring game that I expected to win. USC except was not that, a good team. Before, the three goal line stands, right? It was a three goal line stands. The fact that everything was on the line. I mean, everything, everything that was, had built up to that moment. Right. And, but, but history I make the argument even, that every, everything was on the line against Boston College and Wake Forest, right? I mean, would, so, you, would you say, would you say 2010 was more important than 2012? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Because 2010 yep. was getting off the schneid in yes. 2012. It was a bad USC team. 
that was coming in. And the whole game, you're sitting there and you're expecting Notre Dame to just break it open. And they kept kicking field goals. And I just felt uncomfortable the whole time that I was watching it. And you know what else I felt uncomfortable with? 2018 Notre Dame USC. Same exact situation. Same exact situation. And same exact pit in my, my stomach. You know, in, in like, the same amount on the line, but the, but that's yeah, the, but that's course. the thing. But that that's that's the thing about this because it's a rivalry game because it's the rival that that boring ass game where you should be beating the shit out of them. That's what happens in rivalry games. Yeah, throw out the, 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 those damn records that keeps it close. Yeah, throw out the records. records. What keeps it closer and the fact that in eighteen and in twelve, how much was on the line with perfect seasons? That's huge. Yeah, because well, USC I, I was going I, into the game against the it, Notre Dame in both times, having lost to their primary rival, USC, the week before. And you spend the whole game just pens and needles. Again, I can make that argument about Boston College as, a, as, a, as it relates to 1993 and 2002, though. Yeah, that's true. True. I mean, okay. Look, I, I, I think USC 2012, and, and this is the argument I've always made. And Brendan, I think, is with me, so that's that's cool. But I think a lot of people rate that game as one of the signature wins of Brian Kelly's uh, time, and and I and I understand why. But flip that game with Boston College, or flip that game with Wake Forest, and all of a sudden, all your arguments start start going out the window, right? Yeah. It, it's 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 got it's got the high it's got the high rating because it's the game that got them to the national championship because they won it. But guess what? Wake Forest was also the game that got into the national championship because they won it. Boston College. Yeah, was but the game I mean, the yeah, but yeah, but Jude, I mean, I mean, but you're just saying that you could just you're just flipping around anything to make a point. I mean, this is, and and this is my point to why I hate ending that games out in fucking California. It's still the last game of the season. It is all the way across the country. It, it is a team that is, regardless of the moron coaching them, is loaded with talent. And it's a tough ass game. It's a tough. I mean, just look at Notre Dame's record out in LA. Look what happens out there. It's not great. It's been either win close or blown the fuck out. That's what happens. So to win on your rival's turf in that scenario, last game of the season, travel a thousand miles. I I, I don't know how you do overrate that. One thing about the 2012 game and the 2010 game that I I need to point out, if we're going to talk about USC in this context, is who is USC's quarterback for the 2010 season? It's Matt Matt Barkley, right? Who played in the game against? Who played in the game against? And who played it? And so, who is USC's quarterback primarily in the 2012 season? It's Matt Barkley again, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, who played in the game against Notre Dame in 2012? It's Max Wittick. Who the fuck is Max Wittick? I mean, he's still out there. He's still out there living his life. <laughs> he's living his life. He's probably surfing. Um, is California I mean, Max, Max, Max Wittick transferred to? I know he transferred to Richmond. Yeah, he ended up. He, he ended up in Hawaii. He's he going to be the next Patrick Shea. All right. He ended up as he ended up finishing his career at Hawaii, and he was like sub fifty percent passing. But the one thing I will say about both twenty ten and twenty twelve is that Matt oh, Barkley transferred to Richmond. 
right? Yeah. Yeah. Matt, Matt Barkley was, was the quarterback for both of those games. We never, uh, how many times in Notre Dame even played? Did Max, Matt Barkley seemed like he was there for a decade and Notre Dame only played him in what the 2011 season. Um, I, I, yeah, the 20, 2010 season just hangs heavy for me. Just Barkley Robert Hughes putting up that Jimmy Clausen basically. He, he just seemed like he was there forever. Right. But never had, but it didn't seem like he had quite a good as a season as Clausen's junior year. Statistically. No, he, nev- he never had that Clausen junior yeah. year. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I, I guess I did. I didn't like, I didn't enjoy hearing those words, Jude. Talk about overrating these monster I, games. But, I apologize, I, but I feel the same way about I, Michigan 2014. No. It's it's a fun it's it's a fun game to think about. It's not it wasn't a oh, it wasn't a good yeah, Michigan so. team, and it wasn't a good Notre Dame team, and the game's not very good. And I wouldn't want to watch it again. Turned down for what? Uh, <laughs> I, no, I will watch it again just out of pure spite. Um, I could wa- I could watch the last hit again. I could watch the touchdown, the disallowed touchdown again. I could watch Devin Gardner get hit all day long. God bless watch. you, Max Redfield. I could watch Malik Zaire uh, chucking it up to Will Fuller again. Oh, Everett Golson. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> but that's my problem with you. It, it, I don't want to belabor the point that I made last podcast, but it's my problem with the USC rivalry. And it's not that I don't think USC is a big rival. I don't, I don't want it to come off that I don't think USC is a big rival because they are Notre Dame's biggest rival. And I don't think that that is an arguable point, and I think that it would be a fool's errand to argue otherwise. But I would like to point out and just continue the point that these two programs need to get onto the same page. Because what made Notre Dame-Miami in the late 80s, early 90s such a big rival, and I would say they were a big R at that time, is that, that both schools were at their peak. And I would say even when you look at Michigan, Notre Dame, early 90s, like Gary Molnar, late Bo Schembechler, that's like Michigan peak and Notre Dame peak. They played some iconic football games, right? I mean, we're talking about field goals to win football games. We're talking about Reggie Ho. We're talking about like Rocket Ishmael, Bo Schembechler kicking. We're talking about like iconic moments in football. And the problem I have with the Notre Dame-USC moment is that they are two ships in the night where Pete Carroll is peaking and USC is peaking in the 2000s, right? The preeminent program between 2000 and 2009 is USC. Is there an argument? I, I don't know if there's an argument for a more preeminent program than USC, but Notre Dame didn't keep up their end of the, the bargain, And then from 2010 to 2019, Notre Dame obviously isn't the preeminent program. It was Alabama. But Notre Dame made it to the playoff at a national champion. They were pretty fantastic. And they went 7-3 and in the season series, right? USC didn't keep up their end of the bargain. And we didn't get those sort of marquee wins against USC. I mean, you could say that 27— Yeah, it wasn't just the wins on SC's part in the the series. It was— there wins elsewhere too. Like these were right. It's hard getting these two, getting these two teams together, uh, you know, ranked in the top 15 is a, has become more of a rarity. Um, but it, it, it needs to be that way because right. look, the, the whole, 
you know, and I have a lot of fun with it. And I, I have a lot of love and love slash hate for like Sparty. Right. But that, that's not coming back full time. This is it. Is it? Don't do not fucking say But that can go away. Yes. That can go away. USC can't. USC, USC is not. So this is the one you don't want Stanford to, to be your number one rival. I put him at big R, but it's a big R that's behind the other, the gray beard, uh, <laughs> big R. But I, I want to read these numbers off to you guys. So I, I don't know if you guys glanced. I, I put the poll up on the site oh, for yeah. people to rank the oh, rivalries. Yeah. And first of all, it was it, it's it was bad. Okay, <laughs> it, <laughs> I voted. Bad, but, I'll tell you what. I didn't put Michigan. I voted in all of them, and I didn't put Michigan in any of them. It was a it was a bad is a bad way to go about it because it's not very like it's not very scientific. But it was like, all right, let's just put this up there and just see what comes out of it. All right, so none of this stuff is like hardcore like polling. All right, I'm not I'm not going to go work for five thirty eight or anything like that. Um, so you know this was just a rank, and I had one through eight, and just to shut people the hell up. I kept Pitt out of the number eight spot and put <laughs> and put and put Navy in, and slid them in there just to just to appease the masses or, or the the loud minority, I should say, uh, of people on that. So I'm just gonna, I'm just going to read off a few of these things here. Notre Dame's number one rival by 85 percent. And this this got about almost 800 votes. Eighty five percent should pick USC, which what the fuck? 15% of you did not believe. And look, there was literally 13 votes for Navy. There was six votes for Miami. Two votes for BC. I mean, come on. Michigan got was in second there with at 11% with 89 votes. And I can understand, I can understand it a little bit there. Just for the fact that there's a large number of Notre Dame fans my age in this area of the of the country in, in Brennan and I's area that Michigan means more to them than SC. It shouldn't, but it does. Yeah. I get that. So I get, you know, I, I, I completely understand it. it. People want to talk about whether it's rivalry or not. Like, look, when you're playing almost every single year since 1978 and you're my age uh, and it's beginning of the season. And a lot of times both teams are ranked. It's a big game. All right. It, it's a, it, it's a robbery, especially with the, the extra history that goes along with Notre Dame and Michigan. Uh, so then unsurprisingly at number two uh, for the number two rival, Michigan got the votes there at 66%, but there was a hundred votes less from w- the one to two. So that just means like there was a hundred people at least that was like, it's USC. That's it. I'm done. Is what I'm guessing. Uh, you gotta, I gotta take a lot of liberties here with what I believe happened in, in these, in these polls. Uh, and USC sits at number uh, two on the number two for the number two rival at 10%. Uh, amazingly Navy got 8% of the vote there. Uh, then it gets to, then it gets to number three and Bravo USC zero votes. Like, like there wasn't even a troll uh, that was going to try to put USC at number three. Uh, but Stanford tipped it right there at 28% with Michigan state right after them at 24%. Go into number four, 
Michigan State takes that at 31%. Stanford right after them at 29%. If, if you keep going at number five, th- then you get into Navy at 20%. Navy finally takes up at 20%. So if you think that Notre Dame has five rivals right now in 2020, Navy is the fifth one, uh, <laughs> according to the, to the fans here. Going to number six, uh, it was Boston College took it at 27%. Number seven, uh, Purdue took that at 27%. Uh, and then number eight, Purdue also took it at 34%. Those so are Purdue, people that live – those are your neighbors, right? That yeah, also yeah. have Purdue's pe- cat pissing Pur- in your Purdue takes the bottom part. two spots there. Just some interesting things just kind of like looking at these – I, you know, what I've already said is, you know, obviously SC is number one and then Michigan people have number two. I guess my, my biggest thing though, with this is, is something that I've, I kept saying, but I just don't think people cared is I'm not sure you can keep slotting Michigan at number two when you're not fucking put Patrick Mahomes, new contract is going to be over with before Notre Dame and Michigan. Play again. <laughs> nice poll. Nice poll. Nice. Well done. Nice. Done. So how, how do you, I, the hate is strong and I fucking love all you fans that hate that. Well, uh, I, I love didn't it. put him as a rival because I hate him that much, but I mean, if you're looking past 20, you know, 2020 and beyond, how is Michigan? How can Michigan still sit there? They can't, they, can't. they cannot. I love I, most of my life. It was SC and Michigan state. For me personally, I can't keep Michigan State up there like that. Moving forward, I I can I can slot them in better than Michigan because there's more more games in Michigan State. There's a rivalry trophy at stake, and my own personal history. But I just, Michigan just if you're if you don't they don't have that schedule 2033. Now, I guess there 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 was some word today that. Maybe there might be a Notre Dame Michigan game scheduled this season out of the blue because maybe some teams there's some schedule openings because of the COVID stuff. Oh, I looked into if that, that. If that happens, it'll be yeah, Google or get on Twitter SI, and search that. SI wrote an article about it and there was a Michigan the the Michigan Maven, um yes, I guess. Yes. Uh, he put that the, out there in the universe. He put that so, out there in the universe. But hell, I don't see that's the hell of a clickbait article. That's that that that's a strong move right there. Uh, Maven knows what they're doing out there to get your, get your views. Um, you know, so you just go down this list and you, know, people are fighting me on the Stanford thing. And I'm like, man, right now it is, it is SC and Stanford. Yep. If moving forward, and I, I, I would don't even you think take I don't arguments. For, would you take arguments if, if Notre Dame can flip the script and do some, if Notre Dame can beat Clemson this year, because ultimately it comes down to there will be in the next decade. If we're, if you're forecasting on a decade, Josh, there will be an ACC school being a Florida state seemingly hasn't been able to keep up there under the bargain in Miami. I don't what know. Could what easily, what could easily come back and Miami could easily, they could easily come back, but right. It's going to be an ACC school that is going to be Notre Dame's of all of the outside of outside of the the, the California 
the California crew, it needs to be an a for this ACC agreement that we have worked out. There needs to be an ACC school that slides into Notre Dame's rivalry status. Hopefully, it means that it's Clemson, and if it's Clemson, that means Notre Dame's good. But I mean, I get. I guess at the same time, there's. I mean, you could say that, but then you look at it. There's kind of two already built in. I mean, whether you like it or not, with BC and Pitt. Yeah, that's true. I mean, just be, just because of Pat. So if you say there needs to be at least one, well, there's already two built in with history. Clemson could. I mean, I, I do agree that Clemson could become that because of recent our recent history with them. The fact that you were playing what three three more times the next four or five yep. years. Yep. Plus uh, the five plus times the fa- in the next ten. Five in the next ten. Plus the fact that that if. You know, they could meet in the postseason, whether that's a playoff. It would probably have to be a playoff. I, I would doubt that they play, they uh, play in the Orange Bowl. Play, play in, well, they won't play each other in any any bowl game uh, because of the ACC stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there, there's a there's a chance there that, you know, Notre Dame and Clemson will both have to, like, meet their end of the obligations. Notre Dame would have to beat Clemson a couple times. Plus, they would have to still both be good enough to, like, be on that level for it to be there. But it could happen. I mean, it can happen. I, it, it could be like it could be like a Notre Dame, a new Notre Dame Miami, or or, or even on the I guess maybe a, a Notre Dame Florida State in a way for the mid nineties. Yeah, is there uh, anybody that you can see Jude in the ACC that could possibly be a Notre Dame rival if it's not Clemson? Then who? Florida State's the only other one that immediately comes to mind. I, I just yeah. don't. I, you know, I really don't think there's. There's really not enough games with anybody. I mean, the Syracuse series goes back pretty fairly far, but there's there hasn't been enough games. A pit clearly, um, you know, goes back pretty far, uh, but it's been kind of one-sided. Uh, yeah, it's it's Florida State for me, maybe Pitt. What about cops versus lawyers? Is that something you can for sure? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I already mentioned the trophies once. Is there a is there a particular rivalry trophy that uh, you that that you uh, you gravitate towards the most? Is there, is there one that I mean, you are just like I, man that's fucking sweet? Is are you setting me up or <laughs> I mean like there's I an mean, obvious answer here right? I mean Look, I, I don't know if it's, it's obvious. There's setting, as, setting aside the Northwestern trophy that I've dedicated. I don't know. Tens, About a tens year? of dollars, hundreds of dollars uh, researching. Um, you know, I look, I, I think they're all, well, no, that's not true. I was going to say, I think they're all cool, but the Rip Miller trophy really needs to just die because yeah. I, I think anything where it's that's two a, separate pieces, two separate pieces is cool, but then you refuse huh. to put them together for the winning team. That's very uncool. The week I, after you defends Navy Notre Dame, he buries it. With a yeah. rip Mel trophy yeah, the, the because it's not a trophy. It's a it's a centerpiece for a dining table. <laughs> it's bookends. Ah, I, love what, I love Matt what Brian Kelly Jude's did with the game with program. The uh, I love what Brian Kelly did with the megaphone. I love what Brian Kelly did with the Legends Trophy. Uh, uh, you know, so, so some of my enjoyment has come from the recent uses of the. Uh, I am I'm on Team Josh as it comes to bringing out the rivalry trophies to the field. I think that needs. If none other, I mean, if you want to make this the Legends Trophy a uh, a locker room chugging, and uh, I mean, I, I get that, 
but you have to bring out the Jules Lely. I'm like, pretty yeah. sure I saw Prince Shembo bring out a axe to the pinstripe bowl. So <laughs> if they were allowed to bring an axe out, I think they should be allowed to bring a Jules Lely out. I mean, and why would you way. not be carrying an axe in the in New York City? I really, I, I really feel like that was one thing that really went unremarked upon. I don't, I wasn't there to watch the the game on on ESPN because I was at the game, but somebody definitely brought an axe to the sideline, and that was just like a thing that everyone was like, "Yeah, there's an axe," and nobody was like, "Hey, wait a second, should he be having an axe?" Should didn't they carry a bunch of during Ty's days? Didn't they have like a bunch of shit? Then they have like a like a standard and a chain and an axe and like. I mean, well, they were like digging deep, like trying to do anything to stop teams from scoring 40 fucking points a game on them. <laughs> well, they sure weren't winning rivalry trophies at that time. So, yeah, I'd imagine they're yeah, trying they to had to replace them with something, right? So, I, 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 I mean, love, look, I love tri- rivalry trophies that have nothing to do with us. Uh, you know, $5, what was it, $5 bits of broken chair, or am I conflating two things? Uh, no, that's, the, that's it. Yeah, the old oaken bucket, uh, the, the brass platoon, right? Brass platoon. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. what? So, Brendan, what's your favorite rivalry outside of Notre Dame? Outside of the Notre Dame bubble? Oh, outside of the, I mean, it is absolute. There's, there's only one. Um, Michigan Ohio State. No, 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 no. no. That's Same. not even a rivalry. Same. It's for me, it's the keg of nails. I fucking oh, love. I- the keg of nails between Cincinnati and Louisville. Have you ever seen what the keg of nails looks like? I mean, I have a, a preposition for it cause we are a, a Cincinnati adjacent, uh, podcast. Um, <laughs> I absolutely love the keg of nails and the whole story well, behind this with Miami though. Like it's not really a, it's not really a thing. No, it's It's Cincinnati and, uh, Louisville. 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 Oh, yeah, right. oh. What's uh, the one that Cincinnati has with Miami? Uh, Miami of Ohio. Yeah. Oh boy. Um. I don't know. I. I, I while you're looking have, that up. While you're looking that up, go ahead. The victory I, I, bell. I, it is the victory bell for yeah. uh, Miami. But the keg of nails is my favorite um, of all of them because just the the one I love kegs. Uh, I will tap. <laughs> I will not drink a keg of nails. Um, but I've drinking a keg of uh, Bush Light, which is a lot like a keg of nails because it's horrific. Yeah, I voted uh, for that this this week's SB, uh, SB Nation I, reaction. I voted for that. That's the one I voted. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I can't believe you didn't say Eastern Central. Uh, well, I don't consider Eastern as being a rival of Central. Um, it's almost oh, like fuck. we're Western. It's it's Central Western is uh, Western Michigan is our greatest rival. Uh, Eastern Michigan is like the little brother. Of, of the rivalries. Uh, we don't really consider Eastern Michigan nonsense. as being um, <laughs> so much nonsense. You and your, your brick dong can get out of here. Uh, we consider so uh, Kalamazoo uh, as being the true rival. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, cho- I'm choking out here. Uh, I, I, I don't remember that being the case. Uh, when I went to school there, um, Charlie Batch, Earl Boykin's days, uh, but uh, in the I, Dan Lefevre, Brian Kelly era, um, it was not a rivalry. No, it, but neither was really Western for you guys, and it was Northern Illinois. No, yeah, you're right there. It was Northern Illinois. Um, but I mean, we we rided and we had the uh, 
So, the, uh, so that we're we're talking about the Mac. What, what's the best rivalry of the Mac? Would you say it's? I mean, I gotta go Toledo BG. I think in recent recent years it is Toledo BG because Toledo's been kind of the class of it, and Bowling Green has really stepped up. But I would also say that. Um, I mean, Western, Western, regardless of their coaching, they lost P.J. Fleck and they still kind of have kept it. Uh, Western Toledo's been pretty good. Um, but I mean, I, I guess, I guess the uh, the directional Michigan Trophy uh, has actually been pretty solid over the last. I mean, spe- especially with Chris Creighton coming to town. Chris Creighton's been a revelation, yeah. yeah. And I don't know but how the- I feel about Shark Fucker being up at my alma mater, but, um, I don't know how many I've been, I, there's no shark. Uh, I don't think there's even any freshwater shark, um, up, up in, uh, Mount Pleasant, but, uh, <laughs> well, maybe, maybe at the casino. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe at a soaring Eagle casino, um, they might have some sharks in there, but I, 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 I don't think so. They don't have any. Uh, they don't have any sharks in there. So I don't know what Jim McElwain's going to do without having sharks to hunt. <laughs> I got. I you know. I'm a big. Uh, I mean, I I freaking love rivalry trophies, man. I I really get into it. Bread and butter. I had, call it, call it silly. I mean, yeah. I mean, I obviously, the whole, I, I made of- that PDF. You remember the PDF I made for the 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 state home, basically based off of rivalry trophies. I don't I'm know why I have it. I don't know why I haven't reposted it for um, rivalry week, but it was a it was a whole it was a whole stay at home learning thing for rivalry yeah, trophies. I'm, I'm like the guru of the Notre Dame uh, rivalry trophies. Basically, I, I've been writing about it for years. I think they're fascinating, but not just Notre Dame's. I just think, oh, in, in general, college football, which is just a a creature unto itself. And this is so different than anything else that we have in sports in America with these stupid rivalry trophies, but they're just so great. Like they're so like they're so weird and out there and awesome. You know, like the Illibuck. Paul I mean, Bunyan's axe, right? Well, That's yeah, how, about, how about when it goes sideways, like the civil conflict trophy? I mean, just that. That's a great story. That's a little <laughs> yeah. or, legitimately. Or the great one between story. Iowa, Iowa and Nebraska with like the corn gods. You know, they, they got that. Or when Penn State joined uh, the Big Ten, they're like, yeah, we're going to make Michigan State your rival. Here's this land grant trophy. And they they designed this. They thought this is going to be the greatest thing ever. And it's just this massive nonsense trophy. Right. Like, it's just stupid looking. Like, you should have just, like, went to a bar, got into a fight, and then, like, took a broken dartboard. And that's like, your rivalry trophy. Because that's what they're supposed to bunch be. Bunch of teeth. Rivalry trophies are supposed to be something stupid. And, and yeah, probably like- legal now <laughs> by the way do you consider like turnover chains to be sort of the 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 offspring or sibling of of rivalry trophies oh that is a fantastic take yes i i do jude that is fantastic i do yeah, think of them I, sort of i've never thought i've never thought of it that way but i i get on board with that i get on board with that because the NFL doesn't do anything like that. And then there was like turnover boards, right? Because they had like the write your name on the board. Oh, they got the turnover chainsaw up in Oregon State, which is yeah, fantastic. No, I love that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I could get that. I, I, I thought it was great even when other schools were copying, like pretty much <laughs> ripping them off. And they're like, it's not a turnover chain. It's a turnover whiteboard. Well, yeah. 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 We, had, we had schools that like that were stepping up. I can't remember who the school was, but they're like, 
yeah, we've had this turnover plank for like a decade, you know, so like Miami's copping our style. It's just this piece of driftwood. <laughs> it's, like, it's like when Oklahoma fans get super uppity about play like a oh, yeah. today. And then you realize that Bud Wilkinson probably stole it from the coach that he learned it from, which was a coach from Minnesota. And it's like, well, maybe Oklahoma doesn't have the claim. You know, Notre Dame certainly doesn't have the claim. But I just love that they get like super offended by it. You know, oh, well, it was it's been in our place since 1947. You know, it's like, well, and some guy in Minnesota was saying it in 1930. So, you know, you know yeah. what I would say to that, Jude? Guess what? It was the Lou Holtz era. So it's got to be tradition. It's, it's got to go back to 1918. So here's the question I have is, um, Josh, who's playing for the Puka shell necklace trophy? <laughs> As as the um, aficionado of the puka shell necklace on this podcast, what if anyone is silly play? enough to challenge me to a cherry pit spitting contest, uh, we'll play for the puka shell necklace. Who's um, playing for the puka shell necklace I trophy? I believe it's anywhere that Lane Kiffin is coaching, right? That's got to be one of the teams. So is it is it the new no, trophy for Mississippi, Mississippi State, and Mike Leach and, and uh, Lane Kiffin are playing for the puka shell necklace? I mean, it's Joey missing Freshwater. somebody. You know, maybe I mean, it's Ole Miss and FAU if they can get that game going. So, you know, what's about to get dope is the fact that, you know, Oregon, Oregon State, getting rid of the Civil War thing. Yeah. Now it's, now it's all about the platypus. Yeah. This is platypus. the big, like I can, I, I still call it the Red River Shootout. I still call Thank it the you. world's largest cocktail party. Sure I, do. I, these names just do not go away for me. Yeah. This one is, I can do. I can fully, fully get aboard on board on this one for a multitude of reasons. Uh, and the, the best one of all is that the platypus is just fucking better. It's just, it is. It's just it's what's common. Civil War about like a one sided rivalry like the North won in the Northwest decidedly. But you know, like, the only people that should be allowed one, to call there was the, Civil War, the only people that should be allowed to call Civil War is if Toledo played it, Michigan. Right. That would make sense. Yeah, uh, or if it was a uh, West Virginia and Virginia played, then you could call. Oh, there we go. Take Toledo back. <laughs> I mean, it's Michigan. It's really Michigan. It's Michigan inside our borders. It's, it's fucking Daneland. All right. You can have Toledo. Yeah, just. Go ahead. I'll take the zoo. Take Toledo back. How about I mean, the, the fact how about that Wisconsin the, gets. The fact that Wisconsin the, got out of the Upper Peninsula is ridiculous. How about the rip the sleeves off a short sleeve shirt trophy? Uh, the Rip Miller trophy? Oh, yeah. I'm the based based off the trophy. My life? This is all based off the 2004 Notre Dame <laughs> You know, I also, in that game, I also ripped up turf off Notre Dame's field and, and took that home. I, I, I had it lined in my uh, Notre Dame visor. As I walked out of the stadium, I picked up a couple of cameras and those are the stories, right? Like, like a, a disposable camera can be bronzed and you're playing for the disposable camera. I mean, there's also rivalry trophies are fucking great because they have just a brass platoon for God's sakes. Brass platoon, a megaphone, Indiana. a megaphone. I mean, it's a keg they, of nails. Like, what the fuck is a keg of nails? Nobody knows a, a golden uh, hat. That's dumb. Why would the you wear a wagon wheel? The beehive wheel. Love it. The dumber it is, the better. I as far as I'm concerned, that's why the megaphone's my number one. Of all Notre Dame trophies, 
Fuck the jeweled shillelagh. Fuck assorted shillelaghs. My number one is the megaphone because what the fuck's a megaphone? I can't. like. I get a sh- shillelagh. Right, tell you, makes, tell uh, he'll tell you. And I even I'm like so the discreet. the Stanford. Stanford. I what's the name of the Stanford? I I I did a whole we'll thing on it. It's a Legends Trophy, but it's just it's it's a crystal. Uh, it's a Irish, Irish lead crystal, crystal. on California redwood base. Right. And. It's dumb, but and you drink Kool-Aid from it. But that's what makes it great. It, what makes a rivalry trophy great is the dumber it is, the better it is. Exactly. The I little want, brown jug. I Minnesota's won like six of them in their I history. I want guys treating it like the Stanley Cup where they're taking it out to bars. Yeah. Like weird yes. people are dipping things in it. They're eating out of it. Like, oh, that's what I want with, with, with rivalry trophies. Can you imagine uh, – Brian Kelly <laughs> taking the jeweled shillelagh and putting it in like a guacamole like bowl and just like putting some guac in there and like spreading desk, it on it. My desk just moved. My desk. <laughs> putting, it on his, putting it in a scoop and just being like, all right, there you go. You know what I love to could you, uh, could you imagine going around, going around with the, uh, with the legends trophy and the, and instead of Gatorade in the bowl, it's just packed with burritos, like, like team celebration style. Delivering burritos. Let's bring it full circle. It's cranberry Red Bull and vodka. And Brian Kelly's just Perfect. chugging it in the locker room because he's got a press conference with Eric Hansen and Pete Sampson later on that evening. And he's about to burn that fucking shit down. <laughs> That's what I'm uh, saying. Keg of Nails reminds me of Matt. Do you remember John Madden used to have the turkey leg that he would oh, the give to the – Yeah, the turducken. Yes, yes absolutely. The MVP yeah. at like the Thanksgiving Day game, right? Yeah, like, is that a real, that's a real manly trophy. Keg of nails. Like I saw a lot of teams beat Detroit and win that uh, win that turducken. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Okay, so let me ask if if Notre Dame and Michigan had a rivalry trophy, what would oh, it be? God. Oh boy, uh, uh, Brian Brian Van Gorder's with an animatronic arm moving, fist pumping back and forth. Or? Here's what it would be. It would be, and I took a picture of my father because it was my daughter. Uh, we were celebrating my daughter's birthday this weekend. And my dad's, he's, um, he got his PhD from Michigan. So he's, and we lived in, you know, we live in Ann Arbor. Um, it would be a foot. The trophy would just be a foot in socks and a pair of Birkenstocks. Birkenstocks. <laughs> and it would be the sock Birkenstock trophy and it would just be a foot wearing like um gold gold tip socks with birkenstocks on it it would be the golden birkenstock trophy and it would just be a a a socked uh, foot inside of a birkenstock i think it would be a uh, a gold plated ca- calculator because of all the uh the decimal point zeros and numbers for the uh, winning percentages. Bullshit math. Used to go yeah. back and forth and all that. <laughs> Golden calculator. I love it. I was thinking like Bob Cravel uh jumping on the back of the oh. Michigan Center um uh, and like bronzing that whole thing. You know? I mean the Michigan could I guess on the other side is like what Desmond Howard outstretched catching the Take force in the past. <laughs> Dude, no, fuck that. You're not giving take force. <laughs> yeah. give tater it's just a tater I'll, I'll tot. Give, I'll it's give the respect to Desmond Howard, a high school winner. I'm not going to take the golden tater tot. The game that was handed yeah. by the refs. Armando Allen was in, you fuckers. Uh, yeah. sorry, sorry to bring up bad juju right there. 
How, you, how, do you, how do you bring up Tate Forcier? How do you do it? How are you going to bring up Tater Top Forcier? What's wrong inside your head? Uh, no. One of their most memorable wins is the Remy. It would be the Remy Hamilton, right? Because that's I, our our Reggie Ho is their Remy Hamilton. They're not even. We'll do another one. Pick pick a brand pick a brand new rival for Notre Dame. Brands any team in the country. Oof. Pick a rival of Notre a brand new rival for Notre Dame. Pick a uh, and what rivalry trophy would they have? Ooh. Well, so if we're gonna pick a brand new rival, we can't pick Clemson because Notre Dame hasn't beaten Clemson yet. I don't think that you can pick a rival that you haven't beaten. Okay. I think that if you were going to pick a rival, brand new rival, so we have to go outside of the bubble. I'm not picking Virginia Tech because I don't know. I, they did beat Notre Dame, and Notre Dame's beat them twice since um, you know the ACC arrangement. What do you think about LSU as a Notre Dame rival, sort of a bowl rival? I think that's Cap kind of a, roots in Louisiana too. It's kind of a sexy. It's Sprinty. kind of a sexy thing. I was thinking about this if we were gonna do, you know, when we were doing a second thing. I was, I was thinking, what could Notre Dame have for a secondary, right? Like a newish rival. LSU could be kind of one, right? They they stomped ups in the the Sugar Bowl, right? We all remember. And this is all, oh. this is all assuming that Notre Dame and and this and the other team decide they're gonna schedule each other every year. Like maybe Notre not Dame. even schedule, maybe because right now it's just a bowl. It's just no. I'm saying rival. for this exercise, just just we're just pretending here. Yeah, so we'll just, yeah. This team we're gonna schedule every fucking year now. I, give me LSU, man, because I want LSU. I want to. I want to make a trip. To, do you want to make a trip to Tailgate down in Baton Rouge? <laughs> well, what's your what's your trophy? Um, that's a good question because there are a. I'm I am I am an official. I I'm very well in tune uh, with the uh, the my day job with um. The church is down there. Yeah, the church is down there, and there's like Homa Thibodeau and Baton Rouge and New Orleans are all very serious uh, dioceses down there. So there's a serious Catholic presence down in there simply because they're French uh, for the most part. Um, oh, the, the Holy Grail? Yeah. So Get yourself a, ch- get yourself a chalice? Uh, I mean, it could be the the, the Holy Trinity, uh, which the theirs would be um, uh, celery, green pepper, and onions. Uh, so I don't, I don't know. I, I would say the LSU could be a rival, but thinking about trophies for LSU, um, cause we played them what the music city bowl and the citrus bowl recently, as well as the sugar bowl. So independence bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Who long we here in this as well. Yeah. Yeah. That that was the year we lost. We lost to him in the bowl game, but beat him in the regular season. Yeah. Uh, the, the game that we beat him in, that's when, Jer- when uh, Jarius Jackson Jarius went down. Jarius Jackson went down, yeah. Um, On the last play of the Jude, game, too. Jude, who's your who's your new rival and their trophy? Um, I was thinking maybe uh, North Texas Mean Green, because you could do some fun stuff with uh, fighting versus mean and uh, green versus Irish. I was also thinking maybe fighting Illini, because you could do some sort of fighting thing. Chicago, uh, yeah, yes, some some Chicago thing. Uh, well, well, do 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 the Illinois thing then. So, what would your what would your trophy be with Illinois? Like a, a picture of Aurelius Ben? It would be a steak dinner. <laughs> Reservations. It would be the <laughs> reservation trophy. It'd be the Chicago reservation trophy. I thought I thought I was are gonna get making, Glover. Are you making it a, a 
That, that might be a joke uh, with reservations there or what? Oh, no. Jude. Jude. <laughs> next level. Oh, God. Uh, I guess. Okay. That's that's I thought but, I was going to get over here. But but really, but that, that would be that's my that's my minute clip for the for a minute clip out, for the. Tomorrow. If we could take it out, if, if you're, uh, if you could, if we could take it outside Notre Dame for a second, I really need Penn State and USC to come up with a rivalry. Because Franklin's going to end up going to USC. No, Beavers versus Trojans, man. Oh. <laughs> I mean, the trophy writes itself, right? It, if it doesn't Does write it? itself, or is um, it? Or is it? <laughs> so, Jude, who's going to erect this trophy? <laughs> I mean, could they give it to the offensive line for great protection or the team that fumbles the least? A defensive, it could be the defensive line for penetration. That's true. Welcome to, o- welcome to OFD Podcast After Dark. After I'm dark. your host, Josh <laughs> It's 1230, was, man. An easy one that I was going to go with. I, I thought I was being clever, but I, I really love the steak uh, dinner reservation. But I was going to say, you know, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, and then the, uh, a dual uh, play like a champion today sign. Uh, I love it. You know, they're just, they're both together. You got to rip them off the walls now of of both schools and whoever gets it owns it. Uh, If Minnesota wants to claim it, fuck them. But (laughs) if you want to, if you want to call it, I mean, and and to me, that's like a spirit of a rivalry trophy, right? Ah, It's like, because you can only rock the troll. You can only rock. It begins with a ton of hate, some vandalism, a little bit of illegal shit. That's how a lot of these rivalry trophies start. So Blake Bell, Blake Bell's locked it down. Tommy Reese's back-to-back picks has ensured that Notre Dame doesn't get to play like a champion. Is that what you're telling me here? That's what I'm telling you. Oh, I love How it. about Wyoming versus Buffalo? Uh, Bulls, Buffalo, Buffalo. <laughs> I mean, Cowboys versus Bulls, right? Kind of, kind of makes itself, right? That trophy makes itself. It does. Oh, I shoot. mean, it, right. you could probably get a Broncos team in there if you couldn't get a Bulls. Uh, Western, a, well, Western, Western Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we we had the great Hurons and Chippewas until sure uh, did. until 1990. So Nevada versus NC State, pack on pack. Fine. <laughs> all right, all right, I'm done. Now, now, now you're looking at like battles, like starting, you know. Greatest intersectional, make some intersectional rivalries. <laughs> uh, one other than just Notre Dame and SC. That's it. That's that's the book. I mean, that's Miami, Miami, Ohio versus Texas Tech. Why not Miami of Ohio versus Miami? Who whoever wins gets to be the Miami. I oh, mean, wait. last year it probably would have been Miami. A commander in chief type trophy between Miami of Ohio, Texas Tech, and Arkansas State. To use the word red. <laughs> I don't you, get, you get all red rights for the next year. Why the doesn't Notre Dame, Notre Dame and Boston College play for two separate trophies, right? They play for the Leahy yeah. Trophy and they play for what? Something dumb. The Ireland Trophy. It's yeah. dumb. Why don't they play for the Catholic <laughs> it's Trophy? A student, it's a student body tro- trophy. Thing. Why don't they Why don't they play for the Pope Trophy? And whoever wins, we're deciding whether or not Roman Catholic or Jesuit Catholic is the official Catholic <laughs> of football. So are we saying are we saying we're not Roman Catholic right now because there's a Jesuit sitting on the papal throne? He is. Do we want to go down that route? Yeah, well, we're not gonna we're not gonna talk this is, about this. Is slippery slope here. Yeah, slippery that's, slope. Dude, 
We're not talking about the commie pope. We're talking about the commie pope. We're we're, we're we're going just football. <laughs> All right. Well, that we obviously if we're uh, if we're borderline Akron versus Charlotte. This is my last one. Akron versus Charlotte. Zips versus 49ers. No. Okay. Just me. <laughs> no, I'm not feeling that one. I, I'm good. still. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not quite feeling that one. Okay. We're done. I, 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 I gave it a second thought, and I'm still not feeling <laughs> What about – I mean, if we're going to go outside there, you obviously have to say death, Battle of Death Valleys with Clemson. Oh, yeah. yeah. Iowa State versus Tulsa? Is it the Cyclones versus the Golden Cyclone or the Golden – Hurricane? Hurricanes? Well, do you bring Miami in the mix for a commander? T- oh, yeah. Oh, boy, you know, yeah. For a trifecta then? Kind of got to, don't you? Oh, absolutely. You absolutely have to. We okay. can do a political one. Uh, Middle Tennessee versus anybody who's red. Texas Tech. <laughs> the Red Raiders, yes. <laughs> or Duke versus Middle Tennessee for blue supremacy. Blue Raiders versus Blue Devils. All right, I'm done. I mean, you could do blue versus red, too, if you want to get political. Yeah. That's what, that's what I, yeah, that's, that was my yeah, first one. Yeah. Or yeah. Kent State versus Tulsa. Golden Flash Golden versus Flash. Golden Hurricane. Oh, it's a gold, it's a battle versus Notre Dame when you'd have to fold Notre Dame. Cause oh, in Minnesota gold. for a commander. Golden, thing. oh yeah, Golden Gophers, yeah. I swore, I swore three times I'm done. Okay. Well, <laughs> and amazingly, I'm going to give you the mic back if, if, if you like, because <laughs> we're, we're going to, we're going to end this uh, tonight. So, Jude, do you have uh, anything to to, uh, to add here before we go? Uh, congratulations to Tyler Eifert, who decided to rejigger his entire wedding in two weeks and get himself married uh, to Rachel Mack. So congratulations to Tyler. And he had a totally normal haircut for his wedding, which I, I think he I appreciate and his wife probably – his now wife appreciates. <laughs> um, I've got some really deep thoughts about – whether or not uh, ESPN should be doing a thing about Manti Teo's catfishing excavate that we never talked about. Also, they claim there's new information. Okay. I would love I, to I, I, some I, substance of that new information. Jude, I, I expect I think to that's see what they're the baking on while you watch. I expect to see it on the Jude Law podcast. Yes, I'm going to start a Jude Law, Law, Law blog or Jude Law's blog uh, where I'm not a lawyer and I'm not Jude Law. But I will talk about things that uh, that uh, interest me, sort of an off the rails. My first topic is something that Josh desperately wants to talk about. But we've run out of time. It's about uh, the difference between Fighting <laughs> Irish and, and the Washington Football Club and uh, NFL team. So yeah. I, have some, I have some thoughts. Somehow, somehow you fucking snuck that in. I did sneak it in. Well, it's my fault, but I put I I looped <laughs> it because I knew it would be great. I, I I even gave him said Jude. Just, I'll give you the airwaves. Give you the airwaves. There you go. <laughs> I've, sent a, I've sent an email, JCFR. Uh, if you're out there, I, I sent you an email telling you that you're the winner of the of the T-shirt from the South Bend collection of Breaking Tea for winning the top facts that may own it only interest Tom Ham Chris. So, by any chance you're a podcast listener, get a, get in touch with me on Twitter at ndjrs. Grab that Tommy shirt, man. Yeah, sweet. Brendan, what do you got uh, going out here? Anything at all? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, 
it is seven seven as of now. Uh, in three days, uh, the second season of Bluey drops on Disney Junior. I cannot be more ecstatic. It is the finest uh, children's television program ever written. Uh, it comes out of Australia, and uh, I cannot wait for that second season of Bluey to come out. I've heard good things, and the first season was. Um, I was just watching Bluey today. Just kids were asleep, and I was just watching it by myself because. Fuck it. Takeaway is the greatest episode of any. It's been more relevant for any, uh, um, you know, father raising kids uh, that I've ever seen. Watch Bluey. Awesome. And I just want to remind everybody, wear your freaking masks. Yeah, please, please. man. If you want a college football season, let's give it a little bit of effort here. All right. It, It is it is still very much in jeopardy. All of this, look. If you enjoy podcasts, because we're going to do one every week regardless, we might run out of things to talk about. Legit, yeah. Uh, So, (laughs) us. I mean, I could, I could probably pivot pretty easy to like a Last Kingdom podcast, but, uh, but uh, yeah, come on, man, help us out. Uh, Wear your masks. uh, Wash your hands. Do the do the little things. And, you know, attention to detail. Uh, show me those Brian Kelly traits that you got. And uh, let's, let's all pitch in and, and you know, try to make this a season. Uh, I put it on the site today about the, these new helmets with these face masks. Yes. Uh, you know, the people, the, there are a lot of people out there that want the season to happen. But it's not the ones that just want it at no cost that I give a shit about because I don't give a shit about them. I want the football season, but I want it to be able to, to a have one that we don't just stop, you know, midway through because shit's going out of control. Uh, yes. So, you know, let, let's do the things that uh, that we can do ourselves to try to help that. And I, I know some of this is falling on deaf ears and so much of this is out of all of our hands. But, hey, you could do your part and, you know, maybe that helps out. And, and if it hey, if it doesn't help have a college football season. Maybe it saves your neighbor from dying. I don't know. Uh, so, you know, Josh, whatever, I, uh, whatever, I, whatever's I, more I, important I, to you. Josh, I went up and party at the Diamond Lake Sandbar on the 4th of July. Please oh, advise. No. Was, was that a bad idea? It was a bad idea. Hey, if you can't afford a, was if you can't afford a, fa- a, a face mask, I will buy you a fucking face mask with Josh's face on it. <laughs> I bought Josh a face mask with Josh's face on it. It is fantastic, by the way. Please. He's just if you can't breathe with a face mask on, imagine how hard it would be to breathe with COVID nineteen. <laughs> my how do I my, sound? Uh, how do I sound right now? Do I, do I sound clear and concise? You sound clear and concise. Yeah, I'm yeah. wearing that mask right now that you sent me. Oh, that's really wearing that mask, and I I can talk, I can breathe, I I I I have movement in my fingers. Uh, I. I I'm going to have to take it off to drink this beer, but I mean, other than that, I mean, what's, what's all good. Yeah. I mean, not to, not to bring the whole temperature down a little bit, but this is kind of personal for me. Um, I think it's, if you follow me on Twitter, you know that my father-in-law spent 28 days in the hospital, 14 on a ventilator after contracting COVID. Um, I wouldn't want the, the feeling that my mother-in-law felt being powerless to not be able to go see him in the hospital to get updates once a day on his condition to happen to anybody that I know. And that I like, um, and that includes 
a lot of you listening to this podcast. So um, if you're not going to look out for yourself, then look out for moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas because they're the ones who um, are going to end up in our hospitals. So yes. that's my personal plea on that. Absolutely. I'm 23 days out from having a uh, uh, another kid. And they told us that if either Christy and I tested positive for COVID, we wouldn't get to see our kid for 14 days. So Ooh. please wear a mask. Please wear a mask. Yeah, and I think they'll probably, if, if, if based on what's happening here in New York, and I don't know if Michigan's the same, but they'll let you be there the day that she gives birth, and then the next day they, they might not let you back in. Yep, hospital. that's exactly how it goes, is I yeah. will be there for the birth, and then for 14 days after, we were persona non grata. So please wear a mask. That would be great. I love it. And plus, I want to I want to watch college football. And spring season is not a great idea, as Eric Hansen pointed out. So um, let's do it. I mean, how, how else are you going to get all these great uh, Last Kingdom tie-ins to college football uh, if we don't have college football? Listen, we're we're on just, a boat. Just put it out there. We're on a boat. You know, we're we're through the swamps, and um, you know. It's Finney and Nuthred in a boat, and we're rowing, and we need to break free in order to to get back to Alfred. So uh, let's get back to Alfred. Wear your mask. Did did Brenda? Did you get the uh, Did you get oh, the no, uh, love the of time. the land? Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. All right. So anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> you lost the plot, Jude. I told <laughs> you like. Jude, I told you six months ago to get on Last Kingdom. I, I when you were doing the yeah. book club. The problem is that uh, I, and my I, wife wants, I just got my wife wants to watch I just, shows that are not Last Kingdom. Read the books, though. They're great books. Okay, I'm currently yeah, working through the Stand. Is that a bad idea? No, the Stand's fantastic. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm actually well, in a reread on it. Plus, Jude has uh, about. Uh, 1,200 pounds of programming. <laughs> yes. He does, he does have the, he, not, the entire 1984 season to get through. I, I sent uh, the group uh, a picture of all the collection. It's it's uh, voluminous. Would that be the right word? It's, uh, I think it's the right breathtaking. Yes. <laughs> breathtaking. It, it certainly breathtaking. is a thing. Um, I believe. Uh, or, uh, or one might say, if they're your wife, maybe, uh, <laughs> troubling. <laughs> troubling. Sign of mental distress. Right. Yes. <laughs> All right. That's it for us. Thanks for listening again. Remember just to, uh, uh, leave a rating and review for us. We will read that thing. Uh, it, it's important to us. Right? We want to know what you guys think, what you like, what you don't like. Uh, and, and whatever. I mean, obviously whatever nonsense else is out there. Uh, we're just shocked that, uh, that people listen to these two and a half hour long podcasts and that, uh, we, we enjoy that you enjoy it. So, uh, do all that, wear your masks and go Irish.